Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Can be sellers at the deadline without really going into a rebuild position, and that's what Mo also said. He said, "I certainly hope the Cardinals aren't allowed to rebuild. I think there are plenty of pieces some contending teams would want at the trade deadline, and I don't think the Cardinals, if they became sellers, would necessarily have to blow it all up and start from scratch. I think they could put themselves in a position to pivot in 2023 and focus on 2024 and really push again for a division that is getting better, but still won't be a big top weight heavy contender next season." Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. That was Katie Wu yesterday on the show with us talking about the possibility of the Cardinals both being buyers and sellers at this year's trade deadline. Alex, over the last 28 hours, I've had some time to, to think about what she said there. And I think that's probably the most likely outcome for the Cardinals. And then this morning, as we all woke up, we saw the piece from Ken Rosenthal, who is not exactly a hot take artist, right? This isn't Skip Bayless just throwing stuff at a wall to see what uh, sticks. This is one of the more respected baseball writers in the country who wrote, and this is the headline on The Athletic, enough caution Cardinals need to consider bold action at the trade deadline. Now, I do want to add this as a follow-up. The picture on this story is a bit misleading. Who is it? It's Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, been saying that all along. Now, if you don't read the story, you may look at that story and the headline with the picture and say to yourself, ah, Ken Rosenthal is clamoring for the Cardinals to trade Paul Goldschmidt. That is not what he is doing. Ken Rosenthal essentially takes a flamethrower to the entire Cardinals organization by saying they have not acted as an organization that gets the fan support that they do. He said at one point, the problem with the Cardinals blueprint is twofold. The Cardinals under owner Bill DeWitt do not spend heavily in free agency and Moselock in the past decade has rarely spent wisely, end quote. Not wrong. No, nailed it. He is clamoring for them to be aggressive in the moves that they make for the rotation, essentially claiming they need to do one of two things and saying one is much more likely than the other. Either get aggressive, as we've been talking about with the rotation, spend the necessary money, trade the necessary assets, do whatever it takes to overhaul this rotation, or consider tearing it all down because clearly you're not a serious organization and you are not trying to win right now. He says you gotta you gotta choose a path. And eventually you got to be stuck. You're you're right now stuck in between. You got to decide, are we real contenders or are we sellers? Alex, they're not sellers. They're not going to be sellers. Not in the way that he's talking about. They ain't trading Paul Goldschmidt. They aren't trading Nolan Arenado. You can make as many cases as you want to for it. It's not happening. The case that Ken Rosenthal is making, though, to be aggressive here, that is the one that I think people should and will be latching onto because that is the one that the Cardinals need to choose. It's what we've been talking about for a month now. As the great Robert Frost once said, they should choose the road less traveled. 
very educated. I don't know if you guys know that or not. Yeah, big sure. into yeah. poetry. All right. But either of those paths have not been. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah Let's all snap, snap a little bit for me, please. Thank you. We the can, car... you, can you not snap? <laughs> Can't snap. snap. He does this like a little like a little monkey where he's like his little hands don't work. <laughs> he was doing the Johnny Manziel money sign. Yeah. He was just like just making money, T Bone over here. <laughs> Playing the world's smallest violin. Well, that's a rough start on this yes. end of the board. Very, very rough morning. T Bone's already in vacation mode. Um both paths are not traveled by this Cardinals team. They don't rebuild, they don't tear it down to the to the pieces and, and start from scratch. But they also don't play aggressive. They've been in between for the last, I don't even know how many years. The most aggressive they've been has been trading for Paul Goldschmidt and trading for Nolan Arenado. Great moves at the time, still hasn't gotten the job done. And now you have this presented in front of you to where, look, you're not going to be competing this season for a championship. You might not even be competing for a postseason berth because you have played poorly. So do you want to go one direction and you say, let's trade these pieces away and let's just get rid of it? Or do we go the other side and say, let's be aggressive this deadline so that we set ourselves up for the offseason? Because the one thing that I don't buy, BK, is that this team is going to say, well, you know what? We're going to change our tone and we're going to spend a ton of money on pitching this offseason. They'll spend whatever amount of money they they say they have. And they'll split it between three or four or five average players and say that was our offseason. But so this is where I get mad again. Why are you getting mad? They can't do that. Well, they can because they do it every single season. Then blow it all up. That's what I'm saying. Everybody burn it all to the ground. Burn it down. Burn (laughs) it down. Burn it down. What you're saying there, that is the point that Ken Rosenthal is making. Yeah. Yeah is if you continue to turn the exact same cycle over and over and over again, man, you're going to get the same results. Eventually, you got to get aggressive Cardinals. and not just on the position player side, not just go and make the obvious trade for Paul Goldschmidt or for Nolan Arenado, which they deserve credit for, but they those trades were not hard to get done. Let's be honest. The, the Nolan one had a lot of stuff that was involved with it that made it difficult to actually finish. But the assets that you gave up were not significant. They sent you $50 million to take on a future Hall of Famer. Come on. Let's be serious here for a second. And they got Austin Gomber. Come on. So that was not a difficult deal to convince yourself of getting done if you're John Mosaylock. It's time to do one of those deals where you leave saying, whew. Feeling a little squeamish over here. Feeling a little spicy about what we just gave up. And it might fail. It very well could end up failing. Look at the deal that the Twins made last year. To, now, this is a lower level deal, but to get Tyler Mallett, man, it's failed spectacularly for them so far. But that's what you got to do. You got to be look at what the Mariners did last year to get Luis Castillo. They gave up a lot in that trade, but it was necessary because they got that frontline starter that they were missing for a team that was fun and exciting and believed it was on the cusp of contention. That is what the Cardinals have been unwilling to do. That is what the Cardinals need to do. They've got to start getting aggressive in yeah. that regard. They need to make the kind of move to where, to your point where, they, where they're squeamish to where Mo leaves that deal going, all right, this is either the trade that changes the narrative around me or this is the trade that probably gets me fired. Like Doug Armstrong like, does every single time. That, that, that's the kind of like aggressive move they need is they, they need to be willing to add to this rotation because I agree. I don't think the rebuild's coming. I do think they're probably going to sell off pieces like Jack Flaherty, Montgomery, Jordan Hicks. Like I think those three guys are on the move. But that's a soft sell. And when you get the chance to reset this rotation, I don't even think it always has to be in free agency. I, that's why, like, I'm not so much against them. If they don't get the ace this year at the deadline, I'm not going to judge them until I see what happens in the offseason. 
But yes, they need to make two, th- two, probably two significant moves to help this rotation, whether it is trading for somebody or it is spending the dollars to go get somebody. Because right now you're in that spot, and this is the fear that I have they're going to do where they go, well, our model works. This this was just a blip on the radar. And we we'll had, crush them if they do that. And, and I agree, we will. But I, I'm afraid that that's what they do. What they need to do is they need to pick a lane. And this is where you never want to be stuck in the middle as any organization in any professional sports league. You either say, all right, we got to get aggressive or you really got to tear it down. And the tear down, as Mo said, we I think he said something See, that's like, what they can't rebuild with, in St. Louis. I don't think that it, like, there is no scenario where it makes sense to trade Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Arenado for this team, in my opinion. There's just not. This team, I understand the record is horrible this season. And the way that it has come together, it, it's it's been a failure of epic proportions. This team is not far enough away where it makes sense to trade away one or two future Hall of Famers. I know Paul Goldschmidt is 35 years old. I understand that he's not going to be the model of consistency until he's 45. I I get that. I I understand how the aging curve works. But getting rid of him does not make you better right now. It doesn't. And if you get rid of him and or Nolan Arenado, what you're ultimately doing is going into a rebuild, the likes of which we have no idea when it will end because it is impossible to predict when a rebuild will actually come to an end. You think the Tigers thought they were going to be terrible again this year? You think the Royals thought they were going to be terrible again for seven years after going to -to back-to-back World Series? No. It's really hard to get out of these things. It is. You've got to get it right at the top end of the draft. And then even if you do, you then have to bet right on the trades and you have to bet right on the free agents that you go out there and acquire. The Cubs are still trying to get back to where they want to be after they went through their little rebuild process. It took the Reds, what, six years to get here? The Pirates a decade? It it is really hard to get out of that thing. So trading those two guys mm -mm. there is no scenario in my mind where it makes sense and i'll tell you who thinks even less of it it's the cardinals they anybody that tells you seriously that the cardinals will trade goldie or arenado just tune them out completely it is not happening guys it is there is zero percent chance let me ask you the cardinals are trading those guys let me let me go on the other side of this and ask the question because this is what i am i'm an even keel guy i like to play both sides and figure out how it works that's how i I am this is how i am how many more competitive years do you think you have with Paul Goldschmidt? Uh, like three. in Paul Goldschmidt performing as one of the best bats in your lineup? Two to three. Do you think you can compete for a World Series in two to three years with yes. this roster? With this roster, no. Well, with the roster that I believe that they can overhaul within the next six months? Absolutely. I think they can compete for a World Series next but year. You're talking about a massive overhaul right now in terms of figuring out what your outfield is going to look sure. like. Figuring out at least four pitchers in I your rotation. I don't think as hard as we make it out to be. Well, if you don't believe in Jordan Walker's defense. I, I think Jordan Walker can be a passable defender as soon as next year. Who's your center fielder? Tommy uh, Edmond right now. Yeah, potentially Tommy Edmond. Maybe they make a deal to get one, but I, I think Dylan Carlson can play a passable defender. I think at a minimum they've got two or three outfields. So you're looking at positions yeah. right now. I'm looking at a center field that I don't know what that's going to look like. The shortstop position is an unknown in my opinion because if you think it's Mason Wynn next year, well, guess what? You're going to go through the growing pains. Or it's Tommy Edmond and you, you're fine there. And then your rotation. We're talking about at least three spots in that rotation. That's where you need to overhaul. This Cardinals team doesn't do that, though. They don't go they into haven't. an offseason. They haven't done that. Okay, well, they will not do that. And it... it that is the whole point of this. The conversation we're having is what you just said. They have not done anything like what we're talking about. They need to do in the offseason. It's time. It's time to go and do that. 
it's time to go and do to your rotation what we saw the Atlanta Braves do to their outfield at a trade deadline. They completely overhauled their outfield because they had no pieces remaining at a trade deadline. If you can't do that as the front office in an offseason and John Mosellock, then you should be fired because that is the job. The job is to put together a competitive product that can go out there on a day in day out basis and actually compete for championships. And if you're not willing or able to do that, then we'll find somebody who can. That should be what Bill DeWitt is saying to John Mosellock right now. He, they need to make this determination before the trade deadline because they should be sellers. They, they should absolutely sell Jack Flaherty, sell Jordan Hicks, listen to offers on Helsley or Geo. They should trade Montgomery, like all but of them right stuff. there. Now you're opening up more holes that you have to fill next season. Yeah, to be the competitive. bullpen's the last thing that I worry about. I'll, we'll get that figured out. Bullpens are so thing. volatile that like yeah. anything can happen. Yeah, but how often can a Cardinals team that you view go out there and find the right pieces for a they bullpen? Don't have to, they don't have to sign like five guys to yeah. get to the bullpen. And like they've made small deals like Luis Garcia was traded for in season. You were like, Who? the Phillies overhauled their bullpen at the, like during yeah. the season last year. Yeah. That That's the, la- the, the big the thing that they have to overhaul you ask the question can this team compete next year for a world series championship and how do they do it yes they can and it's not as difficult i think as a lot of people are making it out to be it requires you to overhaul the rotation end of story if they do that if you get shane bieber aaron nola plus in aaron nola in this offseason and you maybe even go out and make one other move to get a mid-tier starter yeah, this team looks a hell of a lot different it, going into next year than it does right now. And really quick, just to fire back at the people that keep saying, well, trade Paul Goldschmidt and get the controllable ace. Uh, Clay said it earlier today, and I agree 100% with him. Who do you think's giving up an ace right now off of a contending team that would want to acquire Nobody. Paul Goldschmidt that he would agree to go to? Do you understand how many hoops that I just mentioned for you to trade that individual to get this controllable ace that you think that is available? Yeah, if you want to go get the ace, you're trading for the next ace is what you're that's hoping Seattle, to do. Or that's the White Sox. No, it's a prospect. Like Which, a low A prospect. Yeah, that, that, is, that is what we're talking about here. If you think that you're trading Paul Goldschmidt for an ace, you're trading for an ace in 2025 or 2026 when Goldie is no longer on the roster anyways. You're not trading for an ace next year. Not for Goldie. Now, you may be able to get that guy if you're trading like a Jordan Walker or Mason Wynn or a um, Nolan Gorman, Newt Bar- like these pieces. Yeah, maybe you could go out and get somebody like that. But Paul Goldschmidt's not the guy that's getting you that player because that player is coming from a team that is also trying to contend well, in 2023 not- if they're acquiring Paul Goldschmidt. Otherwise, why are you acquiring Paul well, Goldschmidt? Well, you're not going to acquire an ace via trade. Sure as hell doesn't seem like you're going to acquire an ace via free agency. So now you're left upstream without a paddle. No, I'm saying you're not acquiring an ace for via Goldie, trade for But Goldie. I'm saying in general, and when we're talking about overhauling this rotation, I don't know if there's the pieces available that this and team can go get. that's where we disagree. That's where we just and, flat and out I, disagree And I just disagree with the notion of they're not going to do it and because I haven't seen them fail this miserably in my lifetime, honestly. Since 2006, or 2007, I don't even remember that because I was in first grade, but I know the story of they fired Walt Jockety. And I'm not saying they're going to fire Moa if they miss the playoffs, finish below 500. But I certain, certainly believe that the model is going to be changed, and they will be very aggressive in the offseason. They I have thought to. that this past offseason, though. Yeah, but, yeah, but they, didn't, they didn't fail. Like, they got to the playoffs, and that I mean, was a got, success in the Cardinals' the mind. The last time we that we saw the disagree. Cardinals fail like this was 2007, and the entire front office was completely over. Yeah. yeah, but what you guys just said is what the Cardinals' mantra is. Success is getting into the postseason. But yeah. unless this you're team isn't change, getting into the postseason. 
Exactly. But they'll look at it as the NL Central's right there for us. And if we just do no, a little no, tweaking, no, 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 we can no, no, get no, no. there. You can't sell that. You can't sell that when you end up. But they can. 15. No, you can't. There, there's no way to sell. You're having okay. one of the. You and I will talk in the offseason when Mo has his press conference and says the exact same thing. Again, if he does that, we should and will justifiably crush them. You cannot sell this. Here are the list of seasons in which the Cardinals were had a worse winning percentage than what they currently own right now. 1887, 1898, 1895, 1896, 1903, 1908, 1907, 1913, 1906, 1909, 1892, 1905, 1916, 1919, 1918, 1910, 1912. You know what all of those things have in common? They were 100 years ago. This is the worst season we've seen by the Cardinals in a century, man. If they sell same old, same old after that, your grandparents weren't around, not even born the last time that the Cardinals were this bad. So again, if they want to do same old, same old, we will crucify them here on this Just show. Just saying, this past offseason, <laughs> we were told it. that they were going to spend more money than they typically do. And they technically did, but again, they weren't bad I last year. That was on the roster. They weren't bad they, last year. They That's the signed thing. The Wilson Contreras to the biggest free agent contract in the history of the organization, And what man? was their biggest issue in the offseason? Starting pitching. Uh, we, we didn't, not all of us agreed with that. Yeah, you, you said all you offseason with that you they didn't need to But this is why I'm not going into this offseason saying that, oh, well, they can get this done. It might be time to blow it up. Yes, it is. The rotation. It is a very, like, we are containing this fire to one room. And it is with, and it is engulfed in flames. <laughs> it is out of control. But it is specifically with the rotation. You don't blow things up when you win 93 games. You blow it up when you win 60. And that's what this team's on pace to do right now. All right, 314-399-9646 is your comfort service text line. If you guys want to get involved in the show, that is the way to do it. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we're going to talk about the Blues, who... Well, they're winning the Stanley Cup this upcoming season. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> I know that's your opinion on that one. Uh, they're apparently considering getting pretty t- uh, cutthroat with Tory Krug. I don't have a historical reference for what some are considering the Blues should do with Tory Krug. So we'll get into that coming up at 1130. Blow it up! Blow it up! Oh. <laughs> but coming up next, hey, social media has become a thing with one of the Cardinals. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. I think this is going to be a pretty uh, unpopular opinion that we're going to discuss next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Social media is a cesspool. It is. We all know that to be true. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. Oh, hey, we got a text that says, I hate you, BK. <laughs> Nothing new. Uh, <laughs> That's not social media. That Same is, thing. That is typically what my mentions look like. There's a lot of that stuff. Really? It is great. Everybody loves me on my mentions. Mine says At that I'm T-Bone a great... 101 ESPN, by the way. Give me a follow on Twitter. Mine says that I'm a great guy and I love yeah. people, love being out in the public. Oh, I, that's false. <laughs> I enjoy social media. I really do. Um, I spend way too much time on it. It is probably a bit of an addiction. And I think a lot of us have a little something of that in us at this point in time, right? But it can be a horrible, horrible place. Not just for you or me or uh, T-Bone Alex, but 
for athletes, um, for people that are in the public sphere. So I'm talking about uh, forward-facing people that are in, whether it's politics or school boards or whatever it might be, right? Whatever your job is, if it is in the public and there is scrutiny within that job, fair or otherwise, there's a pretty good chance you're going to see some backlash on social media as a result of that. Alex, our backlash is minuscule compared to what professional athletes have to deal with. I've seen some of the stuff that goes the way of Jack Flaherty, and it's gross. It's disgusting, and it's completely unnecessary. It's vile. It should not exist. But when Jack gets on Twitter, he knows what he's signing up for. Now, that doesn't mean that it is fair. But if he wants to be a part of that sphere, if he wants to build his brand in that way, if he wants to connect with fans, unfortunately, one of the byproducts is having those mentions coming your way. It's the same thing for you, for T-Bone, and for me on a much lower scale, right? We, we get a lot of that stuff as well. Trust me, search our names and you can find it. And so this brings us to the Adam Wainwright story. Over the weekend, Wayno deactivated his Twitter account and it became a news story. And yesterday, Martin Kilcoin said... I heard from Adam Wainwright. He did turn off his Twitter account after the amount of negative comments that he received following Saturday's game. It's rare that a player engages so much with fans on socials. I hope he gets back on. A Twitter break is probably good for all of us. I think we can all agree there is nothing there that is debatable from what Martin Kilcoin had to say. Alex, I will add this, though. I don't think what is happening with Wayno is particularly unique to Adam Wainwright. It's unfair. It's not justified. But this kind of stuff happens all over the place. North American sports, European sports, wherever. And Wayno, if he doesn't want to be on Twitter, good for him, man. Like No problem. All of us, like he said, could probably use a little bit of a break from socials. But the amount, the pity party that has seemingly ensued over the last 24 hours... I got to say, it's been a little strange because it's like, Wayno's a big boy, man. He can deal with this stuff. He he has been dealing with this stuff for a really long time. He pitched really poorly on Saturday. And if you want to criticize his performance, I think that's totally within, within the lines. It's fair to be critical of performance. The other stuff, it, it's horrible and it shouldn't exist, but it does. And so I'm a little surprised by how big of a story this has become and how much criticism there seems to be specifically to Cardinals fans that this is a Cardinals fan issue. It's not. It's a sports fan issue. It's a societal issue. This is much bigger than Wayno or than the Cardinals or this fan base. It's a little surprising to me what kind of bleep storm this has become here in St. Louis. I don't think it justifies that. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I thought of with something like this was Wayno did it probably for the purposes of, okay, I don't need to look at this stuff right now. And now because it's turned into this media storm where everybody's making it seem like, oh, Adam Wainwright had to deactivate because fans were so brutal to him. Now Wayno, whenever he activates it again, is going to have to have some type of press conference and answer questions of why he deactivated his account. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> we're making this this circus out of something that is for Wayno's mental health side of things. 
to step away from it. We were talking in the office. You mentioned Jack Flaherty. What do you think Paul DeYoung sees when he gets oh on social God. media every single day? I know what I see about Paul DeYoung. <laughs> poor Much Ty- less what's on his socials. Poor Tyler O'Neill. This poor guy's probably getting back jokes 24-7. This is what happens with this. And certain guys just can't handle it. You hit a puke point with this. And that was where Wayno went into. Look. When you get to the point of what happened with Nazem Kadri in the playoffs a couple of years ago, yeah, that's 100%. disgusting, and we should be talking about that. All of this sh- stuff should not happen. Exactly. I don't think you guys should be as mean to no. Alex as you are. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Can we be a little nicer, please? I-, I have a family, and I just don't like going home and crying all the time. But look, like when it gets to the Nazem Kadri level, yeah, that's a story and should be discussed because Absolutely. that's disgusting, and people should learn to be adults. But when you get to this point... Like, sure, somebody deactivates their, their Twitter account because of the, the hateful messages they're getting. Yeah, if you're talking about how you need to never play in the sport and be out of the city because we don't love you, yeah, probably a trashy thing to send. But if you're just saying, like, Adam Wainwright pitched really bad in that one, why are we making a story out of this? It's Adam Wainwright's decision. Wayno decides of social media, needs a mental break. Let's move forward with this and not have to make the guy, the 40-year-old, address a media in a press conference of, hey, Adam, why'd you deactivate your Twitter account? I don't know, because I didn't want to, and I'm 40 years old. And that's that's the thing. And I, It's almost hard to talk about this because, like, I'm not trying to be critical of Wayno in any way because he can do whatever the hell he wants to with the social media accounts. I, I don't care, it's honestly. It's not like it was a one-off for Adam Wayne, right, where they blew him up because of this one bad start. Like, he struggled all season, and yeah. he was dealing with these comments 24-7. And you won't meet a more stand-up person in terms of addressing the criticism than Wayne. The dude comes on the radio once a week yeah. to just talk about whatever it is that Randy in the morning show would like to talk about. So, uh, full kudos to him for all of that. It did feel a little bit like Wayno had a bad start and then he deactivates his account in order to kind of like switch the media cycle. That's almost kind of how this felt. And I, I just don't think this is necessary. Like we, we don't have to have a 48 hour news cycle about Wayno deleting his Twitter. It, it This is one of the most in a season that has been full of a lot of nonsense this is one of the most ridiculous storylines yeah. that we've seen so far. And like I heard Kerry talking about it. And of course, I'm going to listen to his opinion on that because the, the man has been a pro athlete. He has seen the worst of the worst. And like you deal with this as a, as a professional and the argument that gets so obnoxious. And I loved it because Kerry started to get heated with it. <laughs> but the argument that gets so obnoxious is oh, pay me six and a half million dollars and I'll do. You can say whatever you want to me. Like, Sure. But it doesn't need to be a story that follows you for the rest of your career or the rest of your season to where, oh, remember back in June where Adam Wainwright had to deactivate his Twitter account? Like, that's what's going to happen at this point. And it's just ridiculous. 314-399-9646 is the air cover service X line from the 314. And yet here you are talking about it. Yeah, because I wanted to calm the flames a little bit. Yeah. Like it's, I, I think that it has been way overblown on how much of a storyline this is or should be don't think it's a story the Cardinals are a bad team right now Wayno had a really bad game that's the story Wayno deactivating his Twitter account this should have been a all of us see it and are like oh sorry Wayno had to deal with that stuff and then we all can collectively move on with our lives I promise you the next time Wayno's gonna talk there's gonna have to be a reporter that asks the question of hey Wayno so why did you deactivate your Twitter account already happened apparently Martin Kilcoin reached out to him said hey Wayno why why why'd you do this and he said it's because of the mean comments that happened like again 
I've got no problem with Wayno deactivating his Twitter account. Go ahead. We should probably all deactivate our Twitter accounts if we're being honest about it. But it, I just, it, it does nothing for me. It, it does absolutely nothing. Smash that follow button yeah, for Taylor. At T-Bone, T-Bone, can find you? at T-Bone 101 ESPN. Man, Hit that follow great button. Great follow, and no guys. offense, text line. I don't look at you guys anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Wayno's shoes there. Not a storyline, but if you see when we get the out. YouTube cameras going, Smart. you're not going to see the text line on my screens. All right, coming up next. So the Blues, are they, are they really going to go cutthroat with Tory Krug's contract? We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. with the Blues and Flyers is that there is nothing really Aww. new that has taken place. According to Anthony Filipino, who we talked to yesterday, Alex, about what's going on in this situation. Uh, nothing has changed with Tory Krug. They don't expect him to waive his no trade clause. Uh, he certainly is not going to Philadelphia. It sounds like Kevin Hayes is still likely to end up in St. Louis, but we do not have any real clear update on that either. Uh, But if that does happen, it's probably more of a salary dump than anything else, and it's not going to require a whole lot going in the way of Philadelphia. So this brings up the question of, okay, now what? Tory Krug would not waive his no-trade clause to go to Philadelphia. As of now, we don't know of any place where he would waive his no-trade clause to go. So is he going to be a part of the team next year? Does Doug Armstrong get a little more aggressive and try to do other routes? Let's hear what Jamie Rivers had to say on this yesterday on the fast lane. There is one thing he can do if he really wants the salary off the books is he can waive Tory Krug and he can do so before the NHL draft. And what that does is it exposes his rights, his contract to the entire league. And now anybody in the NHL can pick him up without trade compensation. They can pick him up. And Tory Krug can't block it because a no-movement clause covers everything. A no-trade clause only covers a trade. Okay, Alex, so this would be aggressive, like super aggressive, the likes of which I – there may be an example that I'm not thinking of right now. But as I did my Google research earlier today, texted a few different people, I can't remember a player with this kind of term and this kind of salary remaining on his contract – that was placed on waivers and then went elsewhere as a result of that placing on waivers. So this would be, you want to talk about cutthroat. This is Doug Armstrong taking no prisoners whatsoever if he decided to go this route. Now let's talk about what it would mean. If he decided, Doug Armstrong, to place Tory Krug on waivers, it would mean that every team in the NHL would have the opportunity to claim Tory Krug. And they would have to pay nothing in terms of capital to get him other than just taking on the remainder of that four-year contract worth $6.5 million per year. And then Tory Krug, he cannot refuse this, would end up going to that team, and he would be a part of that squad. The entire salary would go to that team, and the Blues would get all of the cap relief that they would as they would in a trade. Now, 
if he was placed on waivers and no team claimed him. That would mean he is now playing for the AHL affiliate for the St. Louis Blues next year. And the Blues continue to pay him $6.5 million per year, but none of that goes on to their salary cap. So basically, this would be Doug Armstrong saying, that salary spot, that $6.5 million, is more valuable to us than Tory Krug is in any way, whether it's on the ice or via trade if we could get something for him elsewhere. So this is an aggressive move, the likes of which I can't think of there being any history of in the past, either here in St. Louis or elsewhere, really. Alex, when you heard this from Jamie Rivers yesterday on the fast lane, your reaction was what? Surprised that that's, I mean, he's absolutely correct. And that is something that Doug Armstrong can do. I just don't see that happening from Doug Armstrong's perspective. I remember we asked him the question and the media availability in terms of, and again, this is lying season where every general manager is going to tell you something and do the complete opposite, i.e., hey, we're going for young forwards. Here's Kevin Hayes and Scott Lawton for you. But Doug talked about possibly trying to clear ways for these other defensemen because coming into the season, you've got Callie Rosen and Tyler Tucker and Scott Perunovich all on top of the six defensemen that you've got on, on contracts already. And he said, I'm not just going to trade somebody to clear away for another defenseman. He said, if you're good enough to make the NHL roster, we'll find a spot for you. And as much as people dislike Tory Krug's style in the last few seasons with St. Louis, I would much rather have Tory Krug on my roster than paying him six and a half million dollars to be on an American Hockey League team. Now, if he agrees to go somewhere because you're threatening threatening him with the waivers and you can accomplish a trade, great. But if I'm Tory Krug, I'll call your bluff, Doug. Absolutely. Sure. That would send, be my route. Send too. me on waivers and try and explain to, to Tom Stillman why you're paying me six and a half million dollars to not report to the Springfield Thunderbirds. And Doug, again, to be competitive, which is what he's trying to be this upcoming season, Tory Krug is a good enough defenseman to be on your... I mean, the guys had 75 points in 115 games in the prior two seasons to this past one. This one was a bad season for him. Let's be honest, it was a bad season for all defensemen. But Tory Krug is more of a benefit to your team than paying him $6.5 million. And maybe you've got that cap space, but now what type of capital are you trading away to bring in the defenseman that you want? Because now Tory Krug's not going to Philadelphia to get Travis Anheim. Now you're probably talking about two first-round picks in this year's drafts to get Kevin Hayes and Travis Sanheim. And that's just something I don't see Doug doing. So I would, if Tory Krug is not traded to another team, I would more likely lean towards Tory Krug being on this NHL roster come opening night. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if he gets put on waivers, just because I, I think you can still, though you are trying to improve from Tory Krug, it's not like Tory Krug's a bad defenseman, and he's. we talked about it yesterday. Good on the contract that he's at when he's healthy and playing his game. And when he's been healthy, he's played a lot like the guy he was in Boston. So I, I just can't see the Blues doing this. And I also think, and you guys, curious your thoughts here, I just think it's a bad look for Doug Armstrong and the St. Louis it Blues if they decide is. to do this. Because it's it's not a disgruntled player. It's not a guy that's had any sort of like issues with the media here in St. Louis. Torrey Krug seems like a really great guy. And when you look at the, what you're doing is you're basically saying, yeah, Tory Krug earned the right to get a no trade clause from us because we wanted to bring him here to St. Louis. Free. And now we're basically saying we don't really care about that. And because you're not going to use your right, we're just going to send you down to the minor leagues. Free agents will not come to St. Louis if you pull that off, because if you offer a free agent that you want a no trade clause and six year deal, they're thinking, well, how do I know you're not going to put me on waivers in two years? So then they start demanding no movement clauses if they're signing in St. Louis. It's a very sticky road you're going to go down if you do that. Now, 
That being said, Doug Armstrong does not care. And if he simply wants to make this team as good as possible, as quick as possible, and he knows for a fact, and this is a really important piece to this puzzle, you cannot be wrong. If he knows that another team will claim Tory Krug, you can make the case. Yeah. You really can. Because it will look bad. But guess what? The next time that he offers a player $6 million to come to St. Louis and that guy's only being offered $5 million elsewhere and he's getting a no-trade clause here to come to St. Louis, you know what he's going to do? It'll be different. It'll be different for me because I am better than Tory Krug was. I will not get as hurt as Tory Krug was. You know how this works, man. This is a cutthroat league, and these players believe in themselves because if they didn't, man, they wouldn't be here. They wouldn't be able to do what, honestly, Tory Krug is one of those guys. He was not supposed to make $6.5 million in the NHL. He was not supposed to be a significant piece of a team that went to a Stanley Cup in Boston. This was a guy that is a self-made player that has the size of which uh, you shouldn't be able to play on the blue line in the NHL. Instead, this dude's going to make more than $65 million in his NHL career as a hell of a defenseman in the NHL. So, the next time that this happens, the next time that Army goes to market and offers a no-trade clause to somebody else, is it a bad look? Yeah. Will, will it maybe hinder him with somebody that has the exact same agent as Tory Krug? Possibly. Do I think it's going to be a significant backlash around the league for, for Doug Armstrong? I, I really don't because other players will convince themselves that it's going to be different for them than it was for Tory Cruz. Some guys will, but I mean, hockey is a tight community in terms of guys talking to each other and telling, I mean, you, we've heard the rumors of everybody in Philly calling Tory Krug and telling them that they should come to Philadelphia and why like players do talk. Certain players don't care. They'll sign because they want the money, but then there's other players that are like, nah, I don't want to go into that type of culture or environment and things like that. But also, if you have a chance to win, man, there's only so many places you could say that about. The, the hard part, it's like 15 teams in the NHL that are really trying to win on a year to year. The basis. hard part with this, too, is everybody's like focused on the Tory Krug thing. No, well, Tory Krug's not waving his no trade clause. So there are two other defensemen that match the exact same <laughs> amount of money as Tory Krug that you could clear. And one doesn't have a no trade clause. He's got a modified no trade clause. And you've got another one that's got a no trade clause that you might be able to convince to go elsewhere. So as much as we're looking, this is saying, yeah, get Tory Krug out of here. There are other guys that you can make this worth, but it all goes back to if you're not trading Tory Krug to open up that cap space to a team that actually wants Tory Krug, how are you getting the defenseman? Because now we're talking multiple first round picks. Now we're talking prospects. Like I'd love them to say, Tory Krug's not it. Let's call up Calgary and get Noah Hannafin because you can make the Noah Hannafin work without shipping out a defenseman. But now you you're, can't. Well, you can make it work for him. You could take on the $4.9 million. You're just going to be really tight in terms of salary cap. You you can't add a forward then. Well, yeah, you're not adding a forward, but you can go get a defenseman and then find a way to ship out another defenseman elsewhere. Yeah. But the capital you're going to have to trade to get a defenseman is probably going to be 25 and 29 and maybe a Zachary Bolduke if you're going to go to Calgary. That's why the Philly thing was so interesting I'm more surprised that other names weren't brought up in the trade conversation. Same. It was just Tory Krug. That, that's what surprises me as well. The big surprise here is why aren't we hearing more about Marco Scandella? Who, if like, the reports are right from Jeremy Rutherford, which they are, he didn't have Philadelphia on his no trade. Now, maybe Philly didn't want Marco Scandella. Sure. But if you're the Blues, okay, well, then we'll add in extra resources to Give maybe you, sweeten yeah. the pot so we can make this deal get done. It makes me wonder, that part of it, Alex, the fact that we haven't heard more about that, 
makes me wonder if there is some validity to what Jamie was saying. Because maybe maybe Doug Armstrong says, hey, I want for the next four years this money to be off my books. Because you can make it work. Yeah. Like Marco Scandella, it makes it possible for you to be able to add one of these guys, whether it's Sienheim or uh, somebody else on the trade market. You can make that work for this year. It does not help you in future seasons. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Tory Krug, it helps for the next four years if you are able to remove his money from the books. So I, I think that's probably the biggest thing here. I'm fascinated to see what they do. Because there is, I can't think of another four-year deal with this kind of money remaining where a player was put on waivers because they didn't waive their no-trade clause. Oh, boy. That is some juicy, juicy content right there. Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie, BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Questions and answers is coming up next. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe it's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. ESPN breaking news alert. It is official, at least according to Kevin Weeks of ESPN. Did he take a, the video in front of a trash can or something? Uh, it is. It appears he is at a hotel, like maybe some a, kind of a lobby. Maybe our hotel, Tanner. Oh, cool. Be, see Kevin maybe Weeks. I'll be in Kevin Weeks' video when news breaks oh in Nashville. Oh, my God, Tanner, you got to get behind and be like, ah, oh, T-Bone, oh, follow me on Twitter. People are going to be like, hey, who's that garden gnome? Why is he out there? Uh, <laughs> Who let the right. five-year-old in? So, according to Kevin Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, you go. there we go. I'm told the NHL Flyers, Philadelphia Flyers, are trading Kevin Weeks or Kevin Hayes. Kevin Weeks is going to the Blues? To the St. Louis Blues for, what would you guess, Alex? You have not seen this yet. I made sure of it. I slotted your hands as you tried. Now that the, we know it's going to be just him and a 50% salary retained, I'm going to say a future third round pick. If you say 25th or 29th overall in this draft, I will knock your glasses off of your face. A 2024 sixth round draft. Pick. Oh! <laughs> That's a beautiful trade right there. There could also be another component to the deal. It's, condi- ah. it's conditional. If he scores 20 goals, it's a fifth. <laughs> uh, Doug Armstrong pulling up. All right, immediate reaction. Good other, trade. Other than whatever that well, I was. I was going to say, you just heard my immediate reaction. This is a great trade. I know people are underwhelmed by Kevin Hayes, and you've got him for, I'm assuming, did he say if it's 50% salary retained? He did not retained? say what the retention that is. I, I would re- guess somewhere That was there. a report earlier today that now it's just him. It's like going to be the most that can be retained, which is 50. He got him three years now, probably around 3.75 mil, something like that. Yeah, he's going to be 34 at the end of this contract, but for less than four, less than $4 million for a future sixth-round draft pick, for a guy that nearly scored 20 goals last year on an awful Philadelphia Flyers team, he's big, can score goals, goes to the front of the net. I, I think that's a good move by Doug Armstrong. You aren't getting a better player at this price in free agency. No. I mean, this is essentially... You, you sent nothing. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's not the same player because Pavel Buchnevich was younger, but this is the equivalent of acquiring Pavel Buchnevich for Sammy Blay. Again, not the same player. He's older, probably less talented than Pavel Buchnevich. Absolutely. But you sent a sixth round, and this was 2024 or 2025? 2024, next year. It's a sixth round draft pick next year. You know how often sixth round draft picks make it to the NHL, Tanner? Yeah, almost never. No, I'm going to say never, but I've heard 9% of the time. There's no chance it's that high. No, it's not. No, just threw that number out there. This is a great trade by Doug Armstrong. I, I like the deal because if you told me, 
hey, Blue signed Kevin Hayes to a three-year deal worth $3.5 million in free agency. Be like, yeah, that's smart. I like it. I got no problem with that whatsoever. And that's pretty much what you're doing here. You will. We can do this, Alex. We'll do it after the free agency begins. We'll look at what the deals are at the similar AAV to what Kevin Hayes is making. And then we can decide afterwards which of those players we would rather have. Kevin Hayes or Player X. Because that's, again, that's pretty much what you did is signed him via free agency for $3.55 million. It's a really smart deal. Uh, It's not a huge one. It's not something that's going to completely alter the course of the franchise. I think sometimes we make too much of that, though. I know there's been a lot of talk about this in the NBA where it's like, hey, did this make you a championship team? If not, why'd you do it? No, but it made us better. And I, the other thing that I wanted to bring up here, Alex, I know you talk a lot about that that locker room mm-hmm. and what the That's vibes what are in up. that locker room. I heard Jamie talking about Kevin Hayes yesterday, and he mentioned how he's a guy that keeps everything loose. Mm-hmm. He's a jokester. He's somebody that, like, sometimes people have criticized him for it doesn't look like he's taking things seriously enough. I think the Blues could use a little bit of Boy, that. Boy, they needed that this past year. So if that's something that he also brings to the dressing room, I, I think that's a positive for well, the Blues. San Filippo said it yesterday with us on the air that, I mean, he is a locker room guy. He is a guy that everybody loves playing with. Look, it's not just with Philadelphia, and we do this as fans to where we look at the team that he's currently on and say, oh, well, he's not good. I mean, we did that with Nick Letty from the Detroit Red Wings. And to be fair, we were okay. right. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you finish that one off. But, like, if you look at it, yeah, Philadelphia wasn't great, but it was a bad team. But go to when he was with Winnipeg on that playoff run. He was a really good player for them, the New York Rangers. Now, I understand he's 26, 27 years old, but when you're around, this is the, the, the point you make all the time, when you're around a winning environment, you step your game up, and he's coming to a team that obviously wants to be competitive. So you just traded a late sixth-round pick for this. Now it's just a matter of what's the next move for Doug Armstrong. T-Bone? I like the trade. I, I think, to your point, you're not going to get a guy better than this on the open market. And, like, his offensive sc- goal scoring, he's going to fit in perfectly on a second, third line, wherever you end up deciding to put him. So I like the deal. Six-round pick. I don't even really care what the salary retention is. I, I'm assuming it's oh, going to be closer to 50. You need 50%. I, I think it's going to be closer to 50. It, worst case, I think probably like 40. But I, I think it's going to be pretty high in terms of what they're going to retain. So I, I think it's a great deal from Doug Armstrong. I'm, I'm fascinated to know what the pivot is now then because yeah. this essentially signals – the deal to get Sandheim is dead. Yeah. What's the pivot then now that that's not going to happen? And they're clearly trying to find somebody to pair with Colton Pareko moving forward. All right, final thing here for questions and answers. And that's what this segment technically is. 3143 <laughs> is the Air Comfort Service X line. Alex, did you see who's going to uh, replace Pat Sajak as the next host of Wheel of Fortune? I did. Yeah. Ryan Seacrest. Oh. That's an inspired choice. I thought I, I can't believe he still has any time whatsoever. I feel like he already has 150 different jobs, but that's I'm sure that's he's going to get rid of. I some think he'll of do a great jobs. job with it. He, I, I, I Alex be, is not convinced. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Ryan Seacrest. Really, he kind of annoys me. I was hoping it was going to be Wayne Brady. Okay. I thought Wayne Brady would have been perfect for that one. I he brings it. I'm a big fan of whose line is it anyway. And now he's brought that to let's make a deal. The energy, and I think he would have been perfect for uh, Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, I, I don't watch Wheel of Fortune, so I don't really, really? care. Yeah, I'm oh, actually man. surprised by that. I love Wheel oh, of Fortune. I, I'm not big on like game shows, so I'm I out. love really? Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. 
Everything else that old people like you like. Except for game show. This is the thing. You're not going to be happy in Nashville because I like to have Game Show Network on when I go to sleep. Oh, God. The stories that we're going to get from Nashville. I cannot wait. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. By the way, Alex and T-Bone are heading to Nashville later on today. They will be reporting live from the 2023 NHL draft. You will not get better coverage anywhere than right here on 101 ESPN with Alex and T-Bone out there in Nashville. Just got a report from Anthony DeMore who covers the Flyers, it is 50% retention, it looks like, in this game. Freaking trade. That's the kind of reporting you'll get as they are live in Nashville over the next couple of days for a special NHL draft show. That will be tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, but they will also be broadcasting for BK and Ferrario from Bridgestone Arena as well. Plenty of special guests. They'll cover it all live from Nashville. It's all presented by Swiss Air Heating and Cooling. Sarah Volley saying that it's going to be a cap hit of 3.5 mil for the rest of his contract in St. Louis. Great deal, man. It really is. It's it, That is a, a He's really making smart less move. than Brandon Sott. It's a really smart move by Army. Yeah. And, and you found your centerman. Gonna miss you, Ross Colton. The dream has died. Uh, but Did you see the reports that they're negotiating with uh, New Jersey to make a trade because he's from New Jersey? <sighs> okay, yep. well, maybe he wasn't an option. You always gotta look. That actually makes me feel better. Remember Greg Wyshynski where he's like, where's, where's the stuff, stuff at? You always gotta look at that, which is why I always brought up Detroit when it came to Tory Krug, because he's from Michigan. So what you're saying, ipso facto, Clayton Keller coming to St. Louis. Coming up next, T Bone yep. has found the player that the Cardinals need to be targeting at the trade deadline. He was slobbering all over himself last time as he was watching this. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. If you missed the breaking news, it has now been uh, made official by a number of different reporters across the league. Pierre LeBron, one of them. Flyers have officially traded Kevin Hayes to the St. Louis Blues for a 2024 sixth round pick. The Flyers are indeed retaining 50% of the salary for Kevin Hayes. So he'll be making $3.55 million each of the next three seasons in St. Louis. Alex, quick takeaways here. And now that we know the full details on this deal, I think it's a super smart deal by the Blues. We'll have more on this coming up at the one o'clock hour with Jeremy Rutherford. I don't think you're going to see a, a better center available on the free agent market that signs for a lesser price and you giving up only a sixth round pick in next year's draft. You basically signed him for free in terms of you just retaining his rights. Love the deal for the blues. Think it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to Kevin Hayes, there's two sides of it. One, the on ice side of it, where again, this is a player who, in my opinion, on a decent team can be somewhere between 20 to 25 goals, uh, maybe 50 points. If you get to that point for him, but he's also a guy that plays 17 to 19 minutes a night, a centerman who we heard uh, San Filippo say yesterday, he's not the best face-off man, but he's a career 50% face-off player. He can play the power play, can play the penalty kill for you. He's a big body and the off ice thing. That's the other side of it. It sounds like he is one hell of a teammate to be around. He's been around successful teams playing with New York in the postseason, the Winnipeg in postseason, and one season with Philly. He's a guy that's got a a background that players love playing with, which is a very good thing for a young team. Doug continued to preach about maturity for this Blues team. Well, now you just got more mature with a player like Kevin Hayes for the next three years. He's also cousins with Keith Kachuk, so that, that doesn't hurt. 
technically the, the that's the whole reason we got him. Technically, he was an early talent. Yeah, he was a blues fan growing up because of Keith Kachuk. There How about that? I was too. Hat tip to Wikipedia for okay, that information. Well, it wasn't actually true. <laughs> it means it's clearly We're going to ask Kevin Hayes about that, and he's going to be like, I, "I don't, I don't know Keith." All right, <laughs> T Bone. <laughs> I do want to move on to the Cardinals for a moment. You were watching baseball last night while the Cardinals were off, and you sent us a text message. And you said, "Guys." I found my one true love. This is the guy that the Cardinals need to target at the trade deadline. Throw it all out there. Uh-huh. What, what, whatever it costs, this is the guy that they need to go out and acquire. Who was it? Why'd you fall in love last night? I was shot by Cupid's arrow last night watching the Chicago White Sox and Dylan Cease. This guy is the answer the Cardinals are looking for to start this aggressive nature that we talked about at the beginning of our show and retool this rotation. Dylan Cease is that guy. He went up against the Angels, and look, the Angels lineup is okay right now. They've got some injuries, but they've got Otani and Trout. And Otani hit a home run, of course. But he struck out 10 guys in six innings pitch, and he allowed five hits. And his ERA on the season is starting to creep right around that four mark and is probably going to dip below it because he's been pitching really yeah. well of late. Oh, guys, he is the man. <laughs> Calm down. Calm he down. He is the guy. That fastball's got life to it. He's got great breaking stuff. Like, Cease is the answer the Cardinals are looking for. And the reason I also like him, too, and this is where it's going to get expensive, and I don't even know if White Sox will move him, but my goodness, Mo, pick up that phone and call Chicago White Sox. He's got years of control left. I'm telling you, he is the answer that the St. Louis Cardinals are looking for. He's the guy that they should acquire and start to build the rotation around. Alex, I love Dylan Cease. I would be very interested in making such a deal. The first thing that has to happen is the White Sox have to be willing to listen. That's that's the prerequisite here, and we don't know that that's actually going to take place. But if they would, I, I think he'd probably be at the top of my wish list because he has all the things that the Cardinals have been needing. He's got the stuff to be a legit front-end starter. He's also not particularly expensive at this point in his career. And so you could add a Dylan Cease via the trade market and then also go add an Aaron Nola or one of the guys that is going... like You could add Cease and then sign Sonny Gray, and your front-end of your rotation is Cease, Gray, Michaelis, and then you figure it out from there. And that ooh, now we're talking about legit swing and miss stuff. Guys that you can count on and it that overhaul of the rotation that we were talking about earlier today, that's how you get there. Now, the obvious follow-up question is, okay, cool, how do you actually make this happen? I don't know. I, I genuinely do not know what the White Sox would be looking for, but it's going to take a lot. Dylan Cease is young. He's cost-controlled. He's got a couple of years of control remaining for him. And he's really, really talented on a market where there are very few pitchers that have this kind of stuff that will be available I think you're talking about one of your controllable major leaguers. So we're talking Carlson, uh, Donovan, Newt Barr, Gorman, somebody in that vein. Probably one of your prospects in a top tier one. We're talking about it like a Mason Wynn or a Tink Hintz or, I don't know, Gordon Graceffo if he gets healthy. Something like that. That kind of a package and then probably including also, uh, I would assume they'd be interested in like an Yvonne Herrera as the third component to a deal like this. It's going to take a lot. Is this the guy that piques your interest? Yeah. I mean, this would probably be at the top of this conversation along with um, Shane Bieber from Cleveland and one of the younger guys that we talked about with Seattle. But this guy obviously is closer to the ACE criteria that we've been looking For for more than any of these other players. I mean, if we're going to do this, I'd say let's get real spicy. Let's get real crazy with this. Make it a, make it a, 
a blockbuster deal. Don't just acquire Dylan Cease. Acquire one of their outfielders, specifically Luis Robert, because the, the guy is hitting well and he brings the outfield presence for you. But that's the aggressive. So you're saying they, for them to do what Doug Armstrong just tried to do, which is don't just go get the Double forward. Dip. Don't just go get the defenseman. One-stop shop. Let's go yeah. one fell swoop, fix both of the issues. What are the two issues currently? right now on your team? Outfield construction and starting pitching looking for the ace. Well, you've got Dylan Cease. You can get the ace. You go get the outfielder in, in with the Chicago White Sox. Now, that's probably going to make the price even higher. That makes more people uncomfortable, but I don't really care because right now this team needs a facelift. This team needs, this team needs new energy. And a trade like that tells everybody in that clubhouse, hey, we could figure it out this year, but beyond this year, we're still competing. So here's maybe an idea of what a package would have to look like. Gorman, Carlson, sure. sure. Tinkens, sure. Von Herrera, sure. Might have to be a little bit more thrown in there, but that's kind of I think that's probably the starting point of like it's going to make you feel pretty uncomfortable to get something like this done. Would you consider it, T-Bone? Is that oh. something that you talk about internally? I wouldn't consider it. I'd smash that button and get the trade done. I, I, I think if you're talking a trade that re- acquires Dylan Cease, as much as I think like Tinkins is the guy that the Cardinals have circled and said to themselves, yeah, we can't move this guy because he's the ace of the future. If you acquire Dylan Cease, you can you can make Tinkins expendable because you now, instead of waiting for him to develop and see if it actually pans out, trade him at his highest value right now and go and acquire a guy that's a legitimate ace that you can get an insert to your rotation. And yes, I understand the argument of, well, he's only got two two years after this year left. Well, the goal would be if he pans out, you end up signing him to an extension. And then the Tinkins thing... Whatever happens to him, you can figure it out when he goes to Chicago White Sox. Herrera clearly doesn't have a role here. Gorman, I would be willing to part with because you're going to probably have to part with probably a Gorman or a Nupar. Just pick your poison. Either one for me would be fine, whether you want to figure it out or not. But I Gorman's fine with me. And who is the other piece you said in this? Oh, uh, Carlson. Gorman, Carlson, Hintz, and Herrera. And I don't think Carlson's got a role in the Cardinals moving forward. So, yes, I, I would do that kind of deal. I think that kind of package is what it's going to take to make this kind of a move. And I know people are going to say, well, I'm not getting rid of Nolan Gorman. I'm offsetting Nolan Gorman for a Luis Robert. And, and this is the thing that's funny. From the 314, way too much to give up. Oh, God. Can't do something like this. From the 314, Gorman not available in my mind. Also, God, no. And then on the other side, it's going to take a lot more to get that done. It's going to take more than that to get both. You might be able to get one of those guys with that kind of a deal. So this is this is what's interesting to me. Like if we're getting both sides of it, that probably means this is roughly in the right spot because it it's going to take a lot. Dylan Cease, though, does have some question marks. Like We all think he's a really good idea for the Cardinals to acquire. Doesn't mean he comes with. Zero liabilities whatsoever. He had a rough start to the season. Got good stuff, but he's not out here dominating the way that he did a year ago. His curveball has been a liability for him so far this year. No guarantees that comes back. It could stay kind of similar where he ends up being like a four ERA guy. Uh, He's more of a three starter than he is a number one. That's possible. Luis Robert has not been able to stay healthy for the vast majority of his major league career. When he's been healthy, this is where he's the anti-Tyler O'Neal. My God, has he been productive. The guy's excellent defensively, and he has one hell of a bat. So it plays when he's out there. She's not healthy all the time. So if you're the White Sox, 
you are trading two guys with questions and uncertainty for a lot more cost control with guys like Carlson and Gorman and Hints and Herrera. That's what they would be selling this as to their fan base. And for the Cardinals, you're selling it as we got the best. The two best players in this deal are coming to us. I, I just the narrative right now that and I'm seeing and, and look, this is one select few that goes this route is to say like, oh, that's too much to give up for something like this. Well, guess what, guys? When you complain about John Mozeliak doing the same thing over and over and over and over, it's because he's not making a trade that you say, ah, too much, shouldn't have given that much up. It's because he's doing these trades where it's like, oh, yeah, I would have done that too, and it doesn't work out for your team. At some point, you're going to have to get a little uncomfortable if you want to start getting into this threshold of competing with the other teams in the National League. And you know how you do that? You trade away a player that, yeah, he's probably going to be an all-star for another team. But you trade him away to get the ace. And yeah, you know what? You probably don't want to give up a couple of those prospects. But you're getting an outfielder that has some question marks. But when he's right, he's dominant. And that's what I would prefer for a trade if you're John Mosellock. And the other thing, too. And again, we're we're telling you the scenario, this one scenario and the scenario of the Cardinals buying these two players. Let's not forget they're going to get assets in return because they're going to be buying and selling more than likely. Yeah. Because this move isn't—it's a move to potentially help you this year, just depending on how far you are out of it. It's more of a move to help you next year and beyond. They could be getting serious assets in return for a Jordan Hicks, a decent haul for Jack Flaherty, a decent haul for Jordan Montgomery. So some of these prospects and these guys that we're sending out in this in this uh, imaginary deal that we're creating here. You could be regaining some assets as well because you're going to be buying and selling at the deadline. And I just looked this up because I was curious. There's that baseball trade simulator site. I know some people hate it. Some people love it. I just looked at it. The value the Cardinals would be giving up in the package we said. Carlson, Gorman, Henson, Herrera for Cease and Robert. The value the Cardinals are giving up, 118. What we, we the Cardinals would receive would be 99. And that and that's basically what it's going to take. You yeah. go, well, I'll see. That's too much. Well, you're going to have to give up too much because in a deal like this. You're getting the two best players. You're getting their two best players, and there's going to be a bidding war for those guys as well at the deadline. So you have to give up more than what the value is, actually. Now, let's come back to reality for a second. No, I don't want to. All right, Lewis Rich Robert, Hill, probably. Here we go. Oh, all right, John Lester out of retirement. Lewis let's Robert go. probably not getting traded. He's got five years of club control remaining because he's got two uh, club options at the back end of his deal. Dylan Cease, very uncertain whether or not he's going to be traded. But what we just did there, that exploratory idea of what would it look like, that is what Ken Rosenthal was talking about earlier today. When he wrote his article earlier today, he was talking about the Cardinals getting uncomfortable to go get that frontline pitcher. This is the kind of deal that that ends up looking like, and it could burn them. It is possible that when you look at what you get out of Robert, He's not the same player that you wanted him to be. He ends up being hurt more than you'd like. He ends up being productive when he's on the field, but otherwise he's kind of Tyler O'Neill where it's like, ah, man, we got 80 good games out of him every single season. Wish we could get 120 out of it. And then Dylan Cease, maybe he ends up being more like Jack Flaherty than what you'd probably like him to be. The risk. And maybe Tink Hintz becomes a number one for the White Sox and he's cost controlled cheap and really fun to watch up there. And maybe Dylan Carlson figures it out on the other side. And Nolan Gorman's hitting 40 bombs a year for the White Sox. It's a cost of doing business. If you're going to make a deal like this, it's going to hurt. You're not going to be able to just include Paul DeYoung, Tyler O'Neill, Jack Flaherty, and uh, Gordon Graceffo, who's hurt right now. Can't do that. It's not how you get these really, really good players on the trade market because everybody's going to be interested in these really good yeah, players. Anytime on the you market. start a sentence that says toss in player's name, that's not how a trade works. Yeah. Coming up next. All right. So we now know what the Blues are doing at center. 
What are they going to do at defense now? We'll talk about that next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. The St. Louis Blues have made a trade. If you missed it earlier today, they have officially announced it's a sixth round pick heading to Philadelphia. In return, the Blues get Kevin Hayes, a centerman who Alex has in his past played 17, 18, 19 minutes a night, and he's going to cost them $3.5 million for each of the next three seasons. Very simply, smart deal. A prudent deal, in fact. Because the Blues were not going to be able to get a player like Kevin Hayes on the free agent market at less than three, less than $4 million per year. So that's the starting point. They gave up basically nothing, sixth-round pick in next year's draft. And they were able to get a proven veteran that brings st- some stability to the middle of your lineup. That basically ends the question of, okay, what are the Blues going to do at forward? You know. The, the, the question has now been answered. We pretty much know going into the season what the top nine is going to be for this team. It's going to be Saad, Thomas, Kairou, Kapanen, Buchnevich, uh, Neighbors, Shin, Vrana, and Saad. Hayes. Oh, you said Saad. Sorry. Yeah. Those are your top nine. Yeah. And then your fourth line is probably going to be some combination of Blay, Torpchenko, Walker. I would assume those. And then and Alexandrov, maybe Alexandrov. And then you've got these other young players that if they impress, it's the Deans, the Bulldukes, things like that. Yeah, your forward crop is done. So... Now that we know that, it takes them out of the Ryan O'Reilly market, takes them out of the Oscar Sundquist market. What do you think this means for their defense conversations, Alex? It it means you've got two first-round picks to work with right now. And that's the part that I find intriguing. By no means do I think Doug Armstrong is done making trades. And I've already seen a ton of people say, oh, does this mean the offseason's over? No, not yet. Because now you've got $2 million, $2.5 million, I think Cap Friendly said, in terms of projected cap space and working with. Now you figure out your defense. You thought you had it figured out with a deal that got both the forward and the defenseman. Now you look elsewhere. And to me, now it becomes, okay, can we find a different spot for Tory Krug if he wants to go there? Or do we go to one of our other defensemen to talk to a Marco Scandella, to talk to a Nick Letty to see if there's moves available? And that's when the first round picks become available 25 and 29 to acquire the defenseman. I don't know what the trade looks like. The only defenseman that I can think of now that the Blues have to be checking in on is Noah Hannafin. That's the other one. Unless there's a separate deal to be made with Philadelphia to get Sanheim. But I don't know how that's going to work if you're not moving Tory Krug. So do they go to Noah Hannafin in Calgary right now to find out, hey, let's see if we can move both picks and maybe something of substance to Calgary to get this defenseman. Or do we start looking at teams that want to get back into the first round? And I'd have to kind of scour through each team's roster. Tampa Bay, we know, wants to get back in the first round. They don't have defensemen you're interested in. How aggressive does Pittsburgh want to be now that Kyle Dubas is involved? Do they got a defenseman that you can check in on? San Jose, I'm sure they would love. Arizona, more first-round draft picks. It's either going to be you find a way to get Noah Hannafin, or you find a team that wants to get into the first round or more picks in the first round. And you trade both of those to get to the, the defenseman. I think this means that they're going to be super aggressive in finding that guy. 
I don't know who it is. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I don't think it's a guy that we've even talked about, if I'm guessing. Because yeah. like I didn't think Sanheim was a guy that they would be targeting. Not, not before the reports came out, because it was an eight-year contract, and though there was a change in Philadelphia, I just assumed that they were going to stick with Sandheim there defensively, and Hannafin's a name that we've brought up, but I, I would not be shocked if Doug Armstrong's using these two late first-round picks to potentially target somebody that we haven't even mentioned. I think we know what they're looking for. I think that, yeah. that part of it, based on what the profile is for Sandheim, I think they're looking for size. I think they want to get out of the... We've got all of these smaller puck-moving defensemen, and I think Scott Perunovic plays a significant role in this. Mm -hmm. They signed him to a one-year, one-way contract where this year, if he is sent back down to the AHL, he's going to be making almost a million dollars even to play in the AHL this year. So they want him to be a part of the NHL roster. That's basically the Tory Krug role. That's why they were interested in sending him out to Philadelphia. That and, you know, the $6.5 million salary that he currently has on the books. So when you look at it through that perspective, Alex, I think we can start to kind of narrow down who the player could be that they're looking for. It's just not easy to find those guys. No, it's not. There's not a lot of them available. The free agent market is mostly small guys. And if you're looking at the trade market, man, everybody wants that style of player. Everybody just saw what Florida and Vegas won with on their blue line. Yeah. And this is the this is the part that it's difficult to match with the team because there's two sides of it. One, do you find a team that is rebuilding that wants prospects and picks? Because if there's a team like that, like say the Arizona Coyotes or the San Jose Sharks, and no, you're not getting Eric Carlson unless San Jose and another team both eat 50% of the contract. But do one of those teams have a defenseman that you'd be interested in that you could send prospects or picks to? Snuggerud or a Bullduke. I don't think they're trading Snuggerud, but the Bullduke's, the Deans, maybe a lower level prospect that we're not talking about. And both of those first round picks, because, again, I do not expect Doug Armstrong to be selecting three times on Wednesday night. And if that's not available to you, then is there a team that just would trade a defenseman that might not fit their timeline that you could get for first round picks? It's it's surprising that they weren't interested in the L.A. King stuff because both Sean Dursey and I forgot what his first name is, but Walker, the two players that they they traded away a couple of weeks ago, both guys kind of met that criteria for the Blues. But you're right, it's size. And then also remember, although Doug did lie to us in saying that the age frame for the forwards was 24 to 29, and this happened, 26 to 31, the age frame of the defenseman that they're looking for. To me, the only way they're going to get this defense figured out is if they're trading two first-round picks to bring that player in, which is why the Hannafin thing still, I believe, has some type of validity to it because Calgary still doesn't know what the hell they're doing. And if we can get two first-round picks for this guy who's not going to be here beyond this year... I think they take that, but then you get to the scenario of who do you move on from? Marco Scandella seems like he'd be the easier route because he's modified and you could just trade him somewhere and take whatever you could get. But then you're also stuck with Hannafin and Krug and Letty and have to figure that out. So I'm going to go through a few of the guys really quickly with you, Alex, that were listed on the daily faceoffs trade board, all mm-hmm. right, to try to kind of find, okay, who who is somebody that could make sense for the Blues? We've already gone through, you went through the Carlson thing. Uh, we talked about Sanheim because he was a player that the Blues were reportedly very interested in. Brett Pesci is another player that has come up on the trade talks. He's on this trade board. He's a right-handed defenseman. Yeah. He does have the size, 6'3", 206. He's on the final year of his deal at $4 million. So the money is not something that would be untenable right now, but you're likely going to have to resign him. Is he somebody that fits into the criteria that you think that Doug Armstrong would be looking for? I don't believe so. I don't think you're bringing in a righty. And I also don't view this team as 
I'm sorry, I don't view Carolina as a team that's going to just accept first-round draft picks to get that. Carolina wants to get better on the forward side, so unless you're going to be willing to trade one of your forwards for Brett Pesci, but I also don't think the 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 handedness fits into Doug's criteria, so I'd say no. William Borgian, he is a right-handed defenseman at 6'3", 205 from Seattle. He's on this list. He is, I believe, an RFA right now uh, for the Seattle Kraken. Uh, yeah, he is, and he's 26 years old, so he does fit into the age range criteria. Played about 16 and a half minutes per night last year for Seattle. Is the handedness something that you think will be a problem for him as well? Yeah, I, and, and I don't think that matches the criteria of somebody that could play in the top four with Colton Preco that they're looking for. Andrew Peake, he is a another right-handed defenseman. <laughs> right, so move on. 25 <laughs> years old, 6'3", 210 pounds from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Played about 21 minutes a night last year for Columbus. Was obviously on a horrible team. Dude was a minus 41. Uh, Do you people understand how hard it is? It's hard to find the guy. Yeah, this I, is where it's really difficult. It's like Sam Girard. It's small. Same size as Scott Pernovich and Tori Krug. So I that's mean, not the and Colorado's not trading him to you for first round picks. Alec Martinez is on this list. He's 35 old. years old. He is My a left handed defenseman. We'll uh, talk Nick Haig. Derek Forbert. For, no. Forbert? No, third pair defenseman. Um, Logan Stanley. No, the, that's Winnipeg. This dude's a mongoon. Like him. Don't think Winnipeg would trade him to you. He's 19 pl- games played last year. Apparently they're sick of it. Yeah, um, Rick Bonus sat him the whole season because of his attitude. Does that sound fun? That is the entire list of defensemen yeah. on this. It's Noah Hannafin. It's somebody that we're not talking Sanheim. about. Sanheim again. Or you're going to go to the free agent market and go after Ryan Graves. But you're not doing that unless you're moving out Tory Krug. And you're not moving out Tory Krug. So uh, that's that's why I still truly believe this Noah Hannafin. Until I hear a team makes the trade with him, I believe the Blues are involved in that just because he matches everything they want and you've got two first round picks to trade for we'll get jeremy rutherford's perspective on all of this he's the blues insider for the athletic he joins us coming up at one o'clock but coming up next 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line for better to forget it here on 101 espn we're right back to the pk and ferrario podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn Vegas sets them up, and we're here to make the call. It's PK and Ferrario's Bet It or Forget It on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Train Heating and Cooling. Visit traininfo.com. It's hard to stop a train. Six four six is the air comfort service tax line. We've got the first comments publicly from Kevin Hayes. Oh, it's got to be something real poetic. Jeremy like Rutherford, ready to win a cup in St. Louis, tweets that Kevin Hayes, the newest St. Louis Blue, told him that he's quote pumped. Oh, let's go to be coming to St. Louis. He's gonna be uh, out in Nashville tomorrow. Actually, Kevin Hayes will be uh, making his first public comments as a member of the Blues. You know what? That's why we're boots on the ground. Tanner Hendrickson will be live in Nashville talking with Kevin Hayes tomorrow. And Jeremy Rutherford is going to be uh, talking to him a little bit later on this afternoon. We will be the first people that JR talks to after that conversation with Kevin Hayes. I am pumped to be talking with Kevin Hayes tomorrow. I am pumped that you're talking with Kevin Hayes I am tomorrow. I'm pumped that you guys will be in Nashville tomorrow. No, you're a not. little sad that I'm not. No, you're not. But I've got a baby boy on the way. I'm very excited. You're pumped about that. about that too, right? Uh-huh. Better to forget it. BK would uh, substitute two more months of Caribbean pregnant so we can go to Nashville tomorrow. 
I cannot say that publicly, sir. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service X line. For bet it or forget it, guys. Bet it or forget it. By the time that our show starts tomorrow, the Blues will have a new top four defenseman on the roster. Bet it. You're already trying to move one guy to get a top four defenseman. You're not just going to say, ah, well, fell through, so we're just going to run it back with this defense. No, you're going to find a way, whether it's moving one of the three left-handed defensemen to open up that cap space. Those first-round picks will will not be in the Blues' possession by Wednesday at 6 o'clock when we go on the air. Will not be. So I'm going to bet this one. You've got the forward done. Now it's going to the defenseman. I'm going to bet it too. I I don't know what it is exactly that Army's going to do, but I think he is acquiring a top four defenseman. And I think it's either going to be news that breaks anytime between now until about six o'clock tomorrow, whenever the draft starts, I think basically you're getting to crunch time. I don't know if they'd be able to get a deal done at that point. Uh, Agreed because there's so many cap manipulations that have to take place. If this was just a simple first round pick for player X, you could get it done. But Alex, you know, I'm a super nerd. I've got the Excel sheet ready to go with all the cap uh, stipulations here. Blues are basically at the cap now. Now, Plus or minus a mil. Like th- there's stuff that goes into this, whether it's bonuses or uh, money that I can't account. The Blues are basically at the cap for all intents and purposes. If they were to make a move on their blue line, they're going to have to ship money out in order to bring money in. That requires a little bit more massaging than a simple pick for player. So I believe that by this time tomorrow, we will see something done. If it was easier, I think they could potentially get it done at the draft. I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Bet it. They have a new top four defenseman. Here's the thing with this, too. You don't trade for a 31-year-old forward who's locked up for three more years and just say, oh, we're still retooling. You trade for that because you believe you could compete this season, and you're not competing this season with the exact same defensive core that you just had to where you missed the playoffs. So you don't make this Kevin Hayes move unless you believe there's something else on the table there to make your team better. Alex, what do you got for bet it or forget it? Bet it or forget it. If the player that the Blues acquire for the defenseman Involved for the trade is Zachary Bolduc. So if the Blues trade Zachary Bolduc, no. bet it or forget it, the Blues are going to regret it. Uh, forget it, because they're going to have a top four defenseman that they have on their roster for years to come. That You have to... Man, people... That's unfair. I need to wash my tone. <laughs> get, get, do it. Do it. Spray yeah. yourself. Sometimes I think that fans overestimate the value of prospects. Because... That prospect, you are hoping he becomes something that helps you on the NHL roster. There is no guarantee whatsoever. This top four defenseman that we're talking about, them potentially acquiring, especially if it requires you to trade Bull Duke, there are a certainty. You know what they're going to be for you right now. And if you're trying to win, which Doug Armstrong appears to be, then it's going to help you for the here and now. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm going to forget it. I think that you will be fine with trading a guy like a Zachary Bolduc because you are invested in winning now. Yeah, I'm betting this too. When it comes to Zachary Bolduc, look, I'm not trying to actively trade this individual, but he has ilk around the National Hockey League in terms of being a top prospect. You don't have back-to-back 100-point seasons and not be a highly touted prospect. But my question is, how does he fit into the timeline for Doug Armstrong? And Doug Armstrong obviously is trying to win now and for the next couple of years. Zachary Bolduke might not be a consistent player for two to three years. Yeah, he might go on to be a star somewhere, but undersized forwards that can score goals. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. And I would rather get a big defenseman that's available to me. So, yeah, I would take advantage of that. And I'm going to say, bet this. You're not going to forget this. You're not going to regret it. Yeah, I, I'd forget it, too. I, I Sure, he could become a great player, but 
again, you need a top four defenseman and you desperately need it to compete now. You've got other prospects that you can look at and go, that guy can help us in the future, like our boy Snugs, whoever they draft with this 10th overall pick, because it sounds like they're not moving that pick. Like, you're going to be replenishing the system. You have plenty of other prospects that you look at that you can say, okay, two, three years they fit our timeline. We're not quite sure where Zach Bolduc fits in that. So I, I would forget this. I don't think they would regret it at all. By the way, Philadelphia Flyer fans on Twitter are livid at the return for this trade. I'm sure they are. So that goes to tell you kind of how the trade hey. should be viewed. Hey, they're like, hit on that pick and you won't regret it. They're saying a sixth round pick next year and 50% of his salary for three years. And that's all you got? Yeah. It's a steal by Doug once again. You're supposed to pay a second round pick in order to get 50% of a salary to be retained. Well, look what at they paid level. for Verona. Correct. Yeah. Again, yeah. second round pick is the going rate. The amount of money that was retained in this bo- in this trade, it typically requires, like if, if it was a third-party team that was involved in this trade, that team should get a second round pick in this deal to take on $3 million over the next three years. Instead, Philadelphia, who is exclusively the one that is negotiating this trade, was like, yeah, we need the $3 million. For what? You're you're losing. You're going to be a terrible team. Doug's like a, the hamburger. He just sneaks in. He's like, oh, I'm going to take these hamburgers. That's what the hamburger says. I don't know if you guys have ever heard him on McDonald's. Ah, I want these Big Macs. Is that what he says? That's what he says. Ah, give me he's that kinda, burger, Grimace. He's, he's Alex is excited to go to Nashville. Yeah. I can feel so it. I'm so pumped. Give me those burgers. The funny part is he's so excited. But when we get to Nashville, better forget the first thing he does is I'm ready for bed. No, he'll say first thing I want to do, go eat the nasty ass barbecue in Nashville. Not at at 11 o'clock, man. Come on. My stomach can't handle that. Look, dinner dinner has to be done by six. Tanner, you got to live on my timeline in Nashville. Dinner's got to be done by six o'clock so my body can digest. We're going to be like an hour and a half on the road. We're not going to be out of the state of Illinois. Sometimes I have to take rest stops for my legs to stretch Uh, them out. And then uh, when we get there, like bedtime is at 10 o'clock. Lights out at 1030, dude. Some, there's no chance you last until 10.30. Some light reading. I hope he does. We may not be there by 10.30. <laughs> some light reading that needs to take place. Uh, and I, I do like to fall asleep to the Game Show Network. Oh my God. That actually makes sense. Steve right. Harvey, family you know, feud? I, I'm going to stay put in St. Louis, actually. I'm not going to Nashville. I, this sounds even worse than You're I really lost. thought. <laughs> All right. Final thing here for better to forget it, guys. Better to forget it. St. Louis City SC finishes first in the Western Conference this year. I can't believe they are pl- they're staying afloat the way that they have, despite all of the injuries that have taken place over the last few weeks for them. It's been super impressive to watch, man. Sam, Big Sam, coming through in a big spot on Saturday night. T-Bone, better to forget it. They finished first in the Western Conference this year. I hate how you came to me first because I'm going to actually forget it. Oh, they're first right now, man. I know they are, but like they're playing without Klaus. They were really struggling the last three games prior to that win that last uh, on Saturday. Saturday? I did watch on Saturday. I thought they played really great on Saturday, and I liked the changes Carnell made. Um, Overhauled the entire starting lineup. Yeah. So I, I like the changes he made, and I think there's some guys that may have even earned another start coming up this weekend, but I those injuries are just too big of a thing for them to deal with like they they have struggled offensively i know they scored two goals over the weekend but offensively they've really struggled without lou and they've also struggled with that with klaus so i just think yes they won but this month has been a struggle for them while dealing with these injuries so i'm actually gonna forget it my god man! i think they'll finish top three but i i just don't know if they're gonna win the west do we know what's going on with klaus by the way yeah i think he lost a leg okay (laughs) this is tyler o'neill syndrome 
Just don't I, know. Chronic they issue. They said it was like a few weeks, and he's missed 10 games. <laughs> Sometimes it flares back I think up. He, I think he re-aggravated it. Okay. Now, that does sound like O'Neal. But you know what? I like to be optimistic on this show. I'm a positive kind of guy. Positive thinking. I'm going to say bet it. I also don't like City's defense, just for what it's worth. Okay, yeah. I, I like either. it better when Leuven's in there. Yeah. Well, still. He makes and me feel a lot better about the way that they are. He makes me feel a lot better about everything. But that guy's a really good player. Yeah, defensively, I nah, it's shaky. The, the best defense is a good offense. That's that's the mantra. That for is not Saint true because we saw that in the Blues so system. <laughs> yeah. and boy, they didn't have does a that good not offense, work. They did at the end of the season and they still got their butts kicked in. Cardinals were trying to go that route as well. Yeah, how's that working for the Cardinals? Slug baby slug, right, T-Bone? Coming up in it's about 15 minutes or so, speaking of the Cardinals and slug baby slug, Jordan Walker should be getting a little more national attention than he's been receiving, but he's not alone in that regard. Alex, there's a player that's got a quest for hitting 400 on the season, and it's going way under the radar. Why is that? We'll get into it coming up at the top of the hour, but the junk drawer is coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in. Carry out. Seven days a week. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Alex, did you ever do the, um, what was it called? The Blazing Challenge at Buffalo Wild Wings? No. My buddies and I wanted to, but we never had the cojones to actually do it. T-Bone, you're a big spicy guy. You didn't even react when we did the he bomb. Did, he did a dab of it. You probably didn't even taste I, it. Hey, I said... You want me to we put a lot to on it. it, and this was what they. Oh, this I'll is what became Alex it. said. We're not going to act like this. We're, we're not going to act like this guy loves spicy things when he just puts a little dab of it on there. But you do like spicy stuff. You wanted to go out and get the real Nashville hot chicken no, while you're barbecue. out there. Meanwhile, he's going to go get the knockoff barbecue. Take an Uber there. there. Such, a, such an idiot. It's Tennessee. Have man. you done the blaze in? I have not. Challenge. No. Well, Buffalo Wild Wings has a new hottest sauce that promises to be, quote, packed full of fire. Why? The sauce is made from a combination of the nine hottest peppers that are available. It is so hot that it has an age requirement and customers are required to sign a waiver before participating. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, explain to me the perks of this. So what you can walk around and say, ooh, I ate a spicy, a spicy wing and it didn't bother me. Anyone who accepts this challenge must eat 10 of the knockout wings in five minutes or less. There are some other requirements. You cannot use any water or any other beverage. You cannot eat any other food. You cannot use any condiments. So no ranch dressing, no blue cheese, no napkins are available to you. Bathroom breaks also not permitted during that five minutes. What do I get if I do it? Anyone who cannot keep it down is automatically disqualified. Do I get a picture on the wall? Do I get B-dubs for life? Because I don't really want to put my colon through that problem for the next 72 hours to have my picture on a wall in a t-shirt that says, I did the Blazing Wings Challenge. You get a headband and a scoop of ice cream. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell and then walk around and say, Ooh, I had spicy well, wings. I don't think you're going to be walking around. Oh, no, you will. Afterwards. You're going to be gonna doing be, a waddle. It's going to be one of these like hunched over walks <laughs> trying to run to the bathroom while flames like coming yeah. out of your rear end. Do not try to run after this. No. <laughs> Personal recommendation. 
I just <laughs> do not uh, this, do sound, it. this sounds like a punishment for the BK and Ferrario pickup challenge. I never oh, under God. I never understand why people attempt this to brag that I can handle spicy food. I don't think I don't think anybody does it to brag. I think they usually well, do it because they're being. Oh, I think people. I think a lot of people get it because it's like losing fantasy football. Well, it's but it's not good. Oh, I think people also do it as bragging. Like right? you're not really? going yeah. because it tastes good. Because as soon as you bite into it, your taste buds are gone. I, I think it's for some people also like the the same idea as going skydiving. Like, why am I doing this? I don't know to to cheat death. Yeah, but at least that's a <laughs> cool experience. This is basically you're going to be in the bathroom for 48 hours. <laughs> Some people think it's a cool experience to eat hot stuff. To scream in the bathroom? Have you ever seen Hot Ones? The entire premise of the show is to get uncomfortable while talking yeah. about cool stuff. Yeah, and that's funny. I don't want to go eat wings and be uncomfortable by myself. Well, maybe wouldn't be. Maybe you be there. go with a friend. I'll <laughs> go with you, buddy. No, well, well, you I'll said hold your friend. Hand. You I will said not friend. hold your hand. You said friend, and that's... You're going to miss me the next no. couple of days, big guy. Uh, probably, because... <laughs> oh, because I'm, I'm the one... You're so leaving Nashville. I'm getting you T-shirt Buzz Killington if I can find one. Because <laughs> we're gonna get to Nashville, and I'm gonna. All right, we're here. Oh, let's yeah, go. Let's go. Bed. Let's go downtown, and you're gonna go. Sorry, man. It seems like there's a lot going on in downtown Nashville. Yeah. Right now. now there's always stuff going on on Broadway. But last night I was watching. I got sucked into the NHL awards, which oh boy, we need an overhaul of that show. Um, it there was a ton of concerts taking place down there. And it looked packed. Alex is going to hate it. Every yeah. second of it. He's going to hate every we, moment. If every we time. stay up till my driving. bedtime <laughs> at 2 a.m., we'll be good. That's not happening. We'll get up at like 637. That's we'll go happening. to Bridgestone Arena. That's not happening. I don't roll like that. You understand I don't have children on this trip, right? Like, I know. I that always should wake be up more that early. of an incentive not to go to bed early. Oh, man, I get eight hours of sleep. Oh, my God. This is ridiculous. Coming up. And if about- I got to get up, at, that means I got to be in bed by 11. Uh, man, I got to talk to JR. I'm going to hang out with JR. Somebody says you guys could do all of BK's fantasy football league drafts in that five minutes, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> probably... That might be text of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to decide. Oh, geez. I don't know if I want to be in your fantasy football if draft we're gonna again this year. going to do 30 seconds again this year. I kind of liked it. Uh, yeah. Piss, I won piss the league, carry, so I like piss it. Piss off carry back-to-back <laughs> years. See how that goes. Good point. He's not invited. Coming up next, are Luis Arise and Jordan Walker going to under the radar nationally? We'll talk about it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Amazing things that's taking place in Major League Baseball this year is what Luis Arise is doing down in Miami. He is on a chase to legitimately try to hit three or 400 this season. And when you just think about it, like in theory, there's never been a harder time to hit for average. And he's doing it at a rate that we've really not seen done in like 40 years. So when you put all that together, you would think in your head, like, okay, this guy must be the talk of baseball. Luis Arise is like the 10th biggest storyline right now in Major League Baseball, though. If you're watching MLB Network, you're reading things, don't get me wrong. He is definitely getting some attention, but the fact that he's hitting 399 this year and has 111 hits already on the season, it's just not getting a ton of coverage. 
And I've seen some people, especially yesterday, it really became more of a storyline, say, hey, wh- why is this the case? Why why hasn't there been more conversations about what Louisa Rice is doing right now? The one that got the most attention is Tom Verducci, who wrote in Sports Illustrated yesterday, on the difficulty scale, what he is accomplishing right now is harder than hitting 61 home runs in a season. I actually think there might be some truth to that just because of how rare it is to put together hits like this. When you think about why this isn't getting more coverage, Alex, what comes to mind for you? Because singles aren't sexy. I mean, singles and getting on base is not sexy to people. You know what is? Aaron Judge hitting home run after home run after home run. Ellie De La Cruz beating out ground balls to first base. That stuff's more appealing to people than, oh, hey, Luis Arise got on base three out of four times today. Like, as a minister or as a Miami Marlins fan, love that. Like, I'd be talking about that on a daily basis, how incredible that is. But I don't care as a common, that's not true, a common baseball fan probably thinks that's awesome. But a common sports fan, that's not appealing to me. We were talking about this in the office. I'm not breaking into the middle of a show that I'm watching to see. Louisa Rise go four for four for the 16th time this season. I'm breaking in because Aaron Judge is about to hit home run number 57. That's the appealing part. So unfortunately for him, it's a statistic that people see at the end of the season and say, damn, that was impressive. But during the season, you don't care. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is what Arise is doing. Yes, it's unbelievable. And it's awesome for baseball, but it's not going to draw attention until you get towards the back end of September. And it is, hey, he's got to get 10 hits in like 25 plate appearances for him to get to 400. Then it's going to be something that you're going to pay attention to. Right now, it's more of a like 162-game pace, and it's tough to watch 162 games of baseball and stay excited about it. And that's a guy that covers baseball for a living. So I think that's the issue with it. And I think the other issue with it is, He's just in a terrible market to be drawn attention for. Like, I just went and looked. Miami, 12,000 people at a game in which Toronto came to town. That's two of the best teams in baseball. This weekend, they had Pittsburgh in town. And again, Pittsburgh, not a very good team. They were selling half of that stadium out compared to, like, what Bush Stadium is, where they're drawing 40,000. So it's just not in a big enough market to where it even would draw national attention. I think it would be a little bit more of a storyline, and I'm not saying it would be like a top of all the storylines in baseball if he was in New York doing this or he was in L.A. doing this. But the fact of the matter that he's in Miami certainly hurts the coverage because though Miami's good, they're not talked about. They're not a big market team. They don't draw well. 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line. This one comes from the 636, and I do understand where this is coming from. I really do. I promise I'm not just reading it because it makes fun of me. Truthfully, this is because of people that are like BK. The numbers nerds only want to look at the exit velocity. They only want to see home runs. This isn't as sexy to people like BK. The funny thing, man, it's actually the opposite. I view this as being almost more impressive because in a day where it's never been harder to hit for average, this guy's doing something that nobody else is. Luisa Rice has 92 singles on the season. Second in all of Major League Baseball is Bo Bichette. Do you know how many singles he has? 92 is what Luis Arise has on the season. Second place, Bo Bichette. How many do you think 75. he has? 75. Oh, I don't think Damn, you're you were really high. close. 72. Oh, really? Wow. 72. You shut your mouth open. Sorry. Third is Bryson Stott, who has 66. So he is 20 singles ahead of Bo Bichette at this point in the season. Guys, we've only played 73 games. So at least that's what Luis Arise has played so far this year. So he is basically... 
a half a single per game better than the second best singles hitter in all of Major League Baseball. That is a remarkable accomplishment to be able to do that in today's game. Uh, man, I I view that as being way more impressive than a guy that's going to hit 45 or 50 home runs this season because there's like 15 guys that are potentially going to do something like that this year. It's just an anomaly. But Alex, I think you're right on why it's not getting more coverage. It's because it doesn't fit into a highlight. Why does Brendan Donovan not sell the way that, I don't know, uh, even a Tyler O'Neill type of a play does? Because Brendan Donovan, you have to watch every day to appreciate. Brendan Donovan is the type of player that when you see him every night, you're like, God dang, that guy's good. He can play anywhere. He busts his butt. He gets on base at a really high clip. He plays really solid defense all over the place. But that's not the kind of thing that you see in a 60-second highlight reel. You have to watch regularly to appreciate it. That's kind of what Luis Arise is. You got to watch regularly to appreciate the fact that he's getting all of these singles. It's about the volume, not about the fact that, oh my God, that one was hit 500 feet. Like That's what makes it so special about Ellie De La Cruz. It's the home run call where their broadcaster said, Ellie De La Cruz, that ball had a family. Like <laughs> That is different. And you can take six seconds out of your day, watch that on a Facebook reel or on a YouTube short, and you appreciate it, right? That's not how it is when you're watching Luis Arise. It's not how it is when you're watching Brendan Donovan. It's not how it is, honestly, when you're watching Paul Goldschmidt. There are just guys that sell differently, and Luis Arise doesn't unfortunately fit into that category, even if what he's accomplishing is more remarkable, more impressive than what some of these other guys are doing. Well, how about this? Jordan Walker has two of the longest hitting streaks in Major League Baseball this season. Yep. Nobody Major League Baseball is talking about that. I mean, he's got 14 and 15. Those are the two longest. That's a rookie doing it. You're not talking about that. You know who you're talking about? Corbin Carroll, who was crushing the baseball for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So it's just the way that it's gone. And we talked social media earlier. It's kind of how social media works. You know what's worth the, the retweet and the views? It's Ellie De La Cruz running out a ground ball that nobody else can do. It's seeing the speed. It's seeing guys go from first to home for how fast they are. It's seeing guys put the ball in the water in San Francisco. That stuff people love. You don't care about a guy who hits singles in 15 games straight. You don't care about a guy who goes five for five in back-to-back games because, cool, congratulations, but that's not a home run. That's what we want more. Yeah, I I'm impressed by what he's accomplishing. Absolutely. I do also understand why this is not gaining the same amount of attention. Alex, you brought up Jordan Walker. He's another guy that there's been a lot of questioning locally here in St. Louis as to why he's not getting more coverage nationally either, because you're seeing all of this excitement about Ellie De La Cruz. So why is it that Jordan Walker, despite, I mean, he's been super productive so far this year, especially for a rookie. You mentioned the hit streaks. Why isn't he getting more attention nationally? I think it's pretty simple. The Cardinals are one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball. Like, I don't think you have to look any further than that. If the Cincinnati Reds were switched place with the Cardinals, where the Reds were 32 and 45 and the Cardinals were 41 and 38, Ellie De La Cruz would absolutely be getting hype. I would not be watching Joey Votto on the SVP Sports Center, which took place last week, for a seven minute interview essentially on. Tell me about how great Ellie De La Cruz is. <laughs> that would not be taking place because that is a virtue of Ellie De La Cruz comes up. The Reds are having one of the best stretches that we've seen from them in the last 20 years. 
that's why he's gaining this much attention the way that he has. That's why he's completely taken Major League Baseball by storm lately. I don't know if it'll have staying power because I don't know if the Reds have staying power. But Ellie De La Cruz is a special player. So is Jordan Walker. So is Corbin Carroll. There's just a lot of really young talent, great talent across the league in Major League Baseball right now. You know who else deserves more attention for what they're doing? Ronald Acuna Jr., man. Have you seen the numbers that he is putting up this year? He's on pace for, I think, Buster only tweeted this this morning. I think he's on pace for over 70 stolen bases. He's on pace insane. to hit 35 home runs, 105 RBIs this year. And if you look at the, the stolen base numbers, he's already got 35. He's played 78 games, man. 70 stolen bases is what he's on pace for. I, I can't remember the last time that we saw a guy hit 35 home runs and steal 70 bags, but it's been a minute. It's probably, I would assume... Did Barry ever get to 70 stolen bases? I don't think so. I don't think so. So it, it's been a while since we've seen something like that. There's just a lot of really cool stories across Major League Baseball right now. This is a good time to be a fan of the sport. All right, there's a couple of breaking news stories that I want to get to on the other side. Two players were just named to the All-Star Game for City. We'll react to that on the other side, tell you who they are. And, Alex, there's a defenseman that was just traded in the, in a, in the NHL. Want to get your uh, reaction to this as well? We'll do it next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. news to pass along alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. So the first thing is some positive news for uh, our local St. Louis City SC. The captain and the vice captain are both heading to D.C. for the MLS All-Star Game. Congratulations to Roman Berkey and Tim Parker on their selections. Uh, Berkey was selected by the fans. The vote got him in as the uh, the number one goaltender. On the defender side of things, Parker was a coach's selection uh, to be involved in this thing. Uh, T-Bone, Berkey is leading MLS right now and saves this year. He has been nothing short of remarkable. I know you had your questions early on. You said, ah, a little overrated. I don't know if this guy's as good as he was made out to be. Uh, seems pretty good to me. Uh, he's given up 1.2 goals against on average so far this year. I'm no soccer expert, but that seems like it's pretty outstanding 76 percent save percentage so far this year again it's right up there at or near the top of the list among in uh, mls goalies what'd you think of the two representatives for st louis city well congrats to both of them i i thought the Ber- the bergy one's no surprise to me i mean he's been the best goalie in my opinion mm-hmm. that i've seen city play so far and I, yes i did have my questions after the first two games because he was just caught out of position. It looked kind of weird the way he was playing, but he settled in nicely. There's been a handful of games that I can point to. I can say this save from Berkey either stopped momentum that the other side had, or it was a legitimate game-saving save from Roman Berkey. So congrats to him and, and congrats to Tim Parker. I, there have been moments where he's been really good at me at the first goal in uh, the franchise's history in the MLS. So it's going to be exciting to see those guys. And I think they're playing, if I'm not mistaken, Arsenal in the uh, oh, All-Star cool. game, I think in late August. Don't quote me on that, but it's in Washington, D.C., I know for sure. But, yeah, this is exciting to see the first two guys from City SC becoming All-Stars. Is that normal to have two guys off of one team for an All-Star? Uh, it seems like a decent number of teams have that. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, because that's a pretty cool thing also, to not just have one guy go. You got multiple guys off of your roster that makes the All-Star game. Yeah, especially for... I would have to look. I would be curious on this, honestly. We don't have the research in front of us right now, but I would imagine City will probably tweet something out about it. 
Um, I can't imagine there's a whole lot of um, expansion teams that had multiple right. All Star selections. Um, so for the fact the, the the their ability to do this in year one, that's pretty yeah. amazing. This is the first, by the way, uh, for Parker as well. Berkey, I, I assumed that would be the case, but Parker has been in MLS for a little bit. Uh, it's his first all-star appearance so huge congratulations to both of those guys well deserved based on what they've been able to accomplish so far this year uh all right i did mention that there has been a trade alex Mm -hmm. involving a defenseman okay is this noah hannafin to st louis breaking news might have kind of pushed this a little further than what it needed to be yeah uh, the headliner is Alex Newhook, a center, is going to Montreal for a first yeah. and a second round pick. Not a defenseman, but Colorado is getting the 31st and 37th pick in this week's draft. They are also getting thrown in here. Uh, Yanni Fairbrother, Montreal's 2019 third round pick. That's the defenseman that's involved in this. That's a Fairbrother trade. That's a dad joke. You guys are welcome. Yeah, he's not a, he's not a defenseman. Yeah, he's but Newhook yeah, is a center. He's, he's five foot going ten. To Montreal. That's right. For a first and second round pick. This is a good deal by Colorado. This is a great deal by Colorado. <laughs> what I don't know are what we the doing? Fourth Montreal... round centers are getting first round picks? I don't know what Montreal is doing. Alex Newhook is at best a third line center. The... And Darren... Would you rather have Newhook or Kevin Hayes? <laughs> Kevin Hayes. I'd rather have the first and third overall or first and third round pick than that. But like, I, I just. First and second, man. Oh, yeah, first and second. It's 37th <laughs> overall. It's essentially another first round pick. But like. I don't get this. This what Darren Dreger said is a response trade for not getting Pierre-Luc Dubois. Pierre-Luc Dubois, you're hoping could be your first line center. And then you go get Alex Newhook for a first round pick and a third round pick. Yeah, Montreal. Now I know why you're in the position that you're in. And apparently they're trying to trade out of number five in the draft. They're trying to trade down. The Pierre-Luc Dubois thing, by the way. Mm -hmm. I just don't get it. Dude, what a haul. Has it officially been announced? Not yet, but the reports are it's Gabe Velarde, Alex Ayafalo, and Rasmus Kupari. So three players, two have been NHL players, and the other one is just kind of the fringe guy, but he's still young. Three guys under the age of 25 that play in your top nine. And Gabe Velarde was a former, like, 12th overall pick. Uh, Alex Ayafalo was an undrafted player, but he's been a hell of a player for the LA Kings. And Rasmus Kupari was another top pick in the first round. And you traded all three of those guys, who are all top nine forwards, for a projected second-line center in Pierre-Luc Dubois. That's a rough trade by L.A. So, speaking of the Canadians, they are, as you mentioned, this comes from David Panyota, working on other deals, and they are considering the possibility of moving down from number five overall. I do not think this is something that the Blues will get in on, Alex. Mm -hmm. I would be interested, like, now that they are no longer in on... The Sanheim negotiations, at least as of right now, um, I wonder if maybe that makes Reinbacher something that they're more interested in. It wouldn't help them for right now, but well, for maybe a year from now, I he could know. be involved. There are a lot of people saying that Reinbacher could potentially play in the NHL this season. I don't think he's going to make that much of a difference this season. Sure, but like next year, maybe yeah. you're thinking, okay, this year we're, we'll run it back, and then next year he can be a part of our top four. In that scenario, maybe you do try to make a bunch of assets available to move up to five. But I think what's really happening here, if I had to guess tinfoil Ferrario theory style, I think that you're looking at the Flyers and the Capitals, one of those two teams likely moving up for Mat- Matvey Mishkov. Yeah. 
the forward from Russia who is considered to be one of the top two prospects in this draft, but he has three years remaining on his KHL contract. Nobody could go see him live because he's playing in the KHL right now. And there's a lot of questions about, you know, whether or not he's going to fit in with some of these teams or if he'll even accept going to a lot of these teams. Washington seems to be one of those. Philly seems to be another. I think that's what this is about. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Nashville's the team that trades for it also. Interesting. Montreal wants, obviously, players that can play in the NHL now, and Philly doesn't have that. Uh, Washington has it, but Washington wouldn't give that up. Um, Nashville, Barry Trotz has been very outspoken in terms of wanting to make a splash in this draft. I can absolutely see them trade a guy like Ryan McDonough or trade one of their forwards for including their first round pick and probably another first round pick to get into the top five, because that's the spot that they would want to capitalize on. And what I found interesting with the mock draft that the athletic put out earlier today, it's their second one. They had Michkov going to San Jose. If no, if I no, Carlson was at San Jose because Will Smith was taken higher. They had Michkov going sixth overall or seventh overall to Philadelphia. So now you've got teams that look at this. And for people that are asking, can the Blues get in on this? I don't believe so. Because if Montreal's trading out, they want NHL ready players. And I don't think it's Tory Krug or Nick Letty or Marco Scandella. You're not just throwing guys in. 10, 25, and 29 is not going to get that done to get Montreal's number five. Would you be interested in including prospects if that's what it took if montreal was interested in it yeah probably let me ask this another way if montreal called and said hey 10 and you're two late firsts and bull duke and you knew you're getting david reinbacher at number five who is by the way we should mention this uh, for people that aren't familiar with him, he is a defenseman. He does have a little bit of size. He's considered to be one of the only defensemen in this year's draft that projects to be a top four guy pretty quickly. I've seen mixed reviews on whether or not he can play right away in the NHL, but likely a year away. Would you be considering like making a super aggressive move if that was your target? I wouldn't, no, okay. because I would stay at 10, hope that there's somebody there, and then 25 and 29 is going to get me an NHL defenseman now. I'm not trading all of those and somebody that might be leveraged for me to get an NHL ready defenseman for a right-handed defensive prospect that probably won't impact my team for a couple of years. And oh, by the way, you've got two right-handers already that are under contract for the next six seasons. So no, I wouldn't, I would stay at 10. And then if I really want a defenseman, I'll wait until 25 or 29 and see if that player can become one in a couple of years. And NHL was uh, quoted recently saying, quote, is he the next Moritz Sider? I don't think he has the same offensive attributes or natural physical play, but there are definitely some parallels between the two, end quote. Yeah, the only difference is Maurice Sider was viewed as a franchise defenseman, and David Reinbacher has just been compared to a top-pair defenseman. Yeah, I like it. I would be very aggressive for a franchise defenseman, but, I mean, we're not talking Victor Hedman, Drew Doughty, Alex Petrangelo here. We're talking about somebody who, if you squint hard enough, boy, he could be a really good top-pairing. You know what David Reinbacher screams? The Arizona. Well, no, 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 no. He screams, he screams the Arizona Coyotes. Oh, okay. Arizona's going to say, oh, we need, a, we need a number one defenseman, and they're going to draft him, and guess what? Three years from now, he's going to be a good top four defenseman. Coming up next, there is an MLB owner that is going to be doing a press conference before his team's game tomorrow. You'll never guess who it is. We'll tell you next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Steve Cohen's ready to air the dirty laundry. Uh-oh. Did you see this? Billionaire ready to lose it. Steve Cohen said, tweeted this out. Of course he did. I will be doing a press conference before the game tomorrow. You will get it from me straight. Oh, <laughs> let's go, brother. Goodbye, Buck. <laughs> How do you think that's going to go? Hmm. Well, Steve Cohen, by the way, for those not familiar, is the owner, the crazy owner of the New York Mets that's willing to spend whatever it takes in order to build a contender. By the way, checks notes, New York Mets are 35 and 43 on the season, 16 games back of the division leading Atlanta Braves. They are paying their rotation. Don't check this for me, Alex. I think roughly a quarter of a billion dollars this year. That's what the press conference is going to be. I don't know what happened. I thought money bought talent. That's what we tried to do this offseason. They are a disaster. They were on, let's see here, June 1st, 30 and 27. There were three games above 500. They are now eight games below 500 as we enter the end of the month. The division that they're in does not leave as much margin for error as the Cardinals does. I, I'm very curious to see what he'll say. Because this is the kind of thing that Cardinals fans have been asking for is, I want to hear from Mo. I want to hear from DeWitt. Answer for what has gone wrong for this team. And I think there is some validity to it. I get it. I think they should also be talking publicly more often than they do. But... When you hear them talk, most of the time, the response is, he didn't say the thing I wanted him to say. He didn't do the thing I wanted him to do. Because there's really nothing you can say or do that makes it any better. Your team stinks. They're not performing the way that anybody expected them to. I promise you nobody is more upset about this than in New York, for example, Steve Cohen. Dude has invested God only knows how much money into this team for 2023. And to watch them perform like this has to be the most frustrating thing in the world. But I, I don't know what he can say that's going to satisfy Mets fans other than I'm firing everybody and there's going to be a fire sale that makes this better as soon as possible. I don't know if they and even fire, then, I don't know that that changes anything. I don't anything. even know if he fires Buck Showalter. I wonder if this is a press conference where he backs him. If he was going to fire Buck, it would have already come out. And, and then, he's going to talk. And that's then he kind would of say, what I, I will thinking. be speaking for what has gone wrong. Unless he knows that he's going to get fired and he got in front of it and said, hey, I'm going to be giving come you. Out. It's New York. Yeah. So that's why I don't think I think he's actually going to sit up there and say, we believe in Buck Showalter. It's been underperforming and our team has to be better and we will be better. It's going to be the PR stunt that you get with the owner. I appreciate the fact that he's sure. going to talk because, frankly, it's gotten irritating this season, not hearing from somebody other than hearing from John Mozeliak talking to this individual or hearing so-and-so talk to this individual. Like, this guy's basically saying, I'm ready to talk and put the cameras in front of me. I think more teams should do that, but it's not going to say anything of substance. Yeah, I think you're right. I think what he's going to do is he's going to come out, he's going to back the coaching staff, he's going to back the front office, and... I don't even know. I mean, that might be about it. I mean, that's probably what the whole point of this press conference is. He may also say, like... A vote of confidence type of presser. Yeah, and and he may also say, like, hey, this isn't going to stop us from spending next year either. Like, they are all in on Shohei Otani still. So, like, I don't expect him to come out and say, yeah, I'm backing these guys. And, man, we learned our lesson. We're going to start operating like Pittsburgh does, and we're not going to spend any money. Like, we're trading I don't pieces expect away. That. Yeah, so I, I think it is just a vote of confidence kind of press conference. I will be curious to see what he says because I, I don't think that goes over well in New York if that's what this is. Really? And, and if that is what he's going to do, I, 
I would suggest he not. <laughs> I, I, I would right. just say stay, stay off to the sidelines here. Go ahead and let your front office take this one, BK, Cohen. What if they, BK to Steve Cohen. All right, hear what you're saying. <laughs> Let's not do the press conference. <laughs> what, if, what if they fire the entire training staff and saying, our problem has been our training staff is terrible, and these guys are all injured and they shouldn't be? It's going to be Jeff Albert. Oh, my God. Jeff Albert's going to get Forgot he's there. He's going to get it again. Yep. He's going to get it this time. Our problem has been our hitting coach. He is too much into analytics. So I did see yesterday, Ken Rosenthal did a, he did one of his YouTube videos for foul territory. And one of the questions that the viewers asked him was, Hey, who would be a surprise trade candidate? Like who, who could end up being available that right now we're not really talking a whole lot about. I thought it was fair. What he said, he was like, listen, if I knew what the surprise was going to be, I would report it. So it, it would not be a surprise to you because his job is to report those kinds of things. But he then went on to say, like, you know, one of the things that he's keeping an eye on is what's happening in New York, because if they end up falling out of this thing completely or continue to do so, he could see maybe they get aggressive and decide, you know what, it's best for us to get assets in return for one of our aging veteran pitchers that we're paying an ungodly amount of money to. He then also included like, hey, maybe they would eat a lot of the money because then they could get something of significance in return. I mentioned this yesterday. I, I don't think it's something that the Cardinals will do, but just because I think it's something to keep an eye on after I heard Ken Rosenthal say that I would be curious. It's a very anti Cardinals move. If Max Scherzer did become available, I I could see it. I could see how you could convince yourself like that guy might be the best match for what the Cardinals need. And if he ends up being, $25 million instead of his current 40 some odd million dollar salary next year. I could see for sure how they would convince themselves of that being a good scenario for them because they'd have to give up less. Like if I told you guys, you can either get Max Scherzer or um, Shane Bieber for next year. Who would you rather have if that's the option and set aside what it costs prospect wise, set aside money. Just you get one of those two guys to be at the front end of the Cardinals rotation next year. I mean, who would you rather have setting aside money and prospects? I would probably say Scherzer because I think he's the I think he's still the better pitcher right now than what Shane Bieber is, at least compared to like when you look at stuff and all that. But when you start throwing to the other side of it, I would say Bieber. Yeah, I would say Beaver on both sides of it. I just uh, it's uncertain right now with Max Scherzer and how he's been up and down this season. And you get older, and I just don't know why the Mets would do that because I think the Mets are viewing it as we'll have him next year, and they might. I think that's the most likely outcome here. But if I'm going to put on my my Mets cap real quick, I think it's because they. (laughs) I think it's. I think they would say, "Hey, we got to change uh, change things up a little bit here. This is not working." We need to go ahead and get a new mix in, and maybe they like something that the Cardinals are offering, and they want Shohei Otani to be the face of their rotation next year, and that means removing Max Scherzer from the bunch, right? Because they're they're worried about the possibility of this being the season where he falls off the cliff. That would be the explanation as to why they would go about it this way, because they, they really signed him for this year, because they thought they would get the best version of Scherzer now, and it just hasn't worked out for either side. Um, I don't think it's likely to happen, but it was something that he threw out there. He did also, for what it's worth, throw out the possibility of Wilson Contreras. He kind of it was an offhand thing. If the Cardinals get super aggressive at the trade deadline, I would be curious to see, like, who are the names that they're not willing to entertain? I, I don't think they would listen on offers for like Jordan Walker. Who else is on that list for you guys? I think, I think Goldie and Arenado are, are on that list. I would say Contreras is on that list. I think he is too. I I don't think they would because if you do, if you trade him, one you got to eat money, and two you're basically admitting like yeah, yeah we Michaelis obviously up the off season. 
I don't. I think they could listen on Michaelis. I, I think they would be willing to reshape the whole like rotation and Michaelis involved. I think in you that. re-signed him because he's the face of your rotation next year. I think you definitely would prefer to not trade Miles Michaelis. But if you got listen. like an, if you got an unbelievable Godfather well, offer, that's where you're, like, you're listening to everybody. I don't think you're listening for anything on Jordan Walker. Yeah. Yeah, I think okay, Jordan Walker is a one. complete untouchable asset but for you right now. And I think the same thing is true for them for Arenado and Goldie. I think those are the three right now for me. I think if you got a, goal, a godfather offer, Goldie would be going. I Arenado, I would push back and say, I don't see that happening. I, the reason why I say this is because if you trade Goldie, I think Arenado says, I want out. I agree. I agree. And that's why I think Because it would be signifying to Arenado we are not all in on winning now the way that we told know. you last offseason that we were. Most and sold and him, we've seen him do it before. Most, most sold him trash this past offseason and think he could sell it again. Somebody on the text line, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line uh, from the 636. Guys, when is JR coming? You told us that he would be on at 1 o'clock. We did. Yeah, BK lies a lot. He got busy with some of the reporting with Kevin Hayes. He's going to join us next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's run it back with a daily rewind on BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Stewart's American Mortgage. Google the bagel loan featuring zero fees and zero closing costs. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. He's Alex Ferrario, that's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Happy to go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by Jeremy Rutherford. He's joining us live from Nashville, Tennessee, where he has the boots on the ground as the Blues made their first big trade of the offseason. Cowboy boots. See, Nashville country. JR's a cowboy boots kind of guy. JR, appreciate the time as always, man. You having a good time out there yet? Oh, yeah, nothing going on with the Blues. I just uh, bellied up to the bar, and I got a stool here for uh, Alex, so just waiting for you to get down here. No. Uh, you hear how he just said Alex there, J- uh, T-Bone? JR, I just want you to know there's no chance Alex will be at a bar during our two JR. days in Nashville. You, JR, you tell me time and place. I'll see you there. As long as it's before 10 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah before 10 o'clock. No, they uh, unless Tanner gets a fake ID, I don't know that uh, he's going to be able to sit next to us here. <laughs> We'll put him in a purse. We'll be like one of those Paris Hilton dogs. But like, oh, no, this is just my support friend. All right, JR, we do have a lot of business to get to, and I want to do yeah. that because I'm a little jealous of the fact that I will not be joining you guys in Nashville. Uh, Kevin Hayes coming to the Blues, 3.5 mil, three-year deal, 31-year-old center coming over for the Flyers. All they had to give up was a 2024 sixth-round draft pick. What would you make of the move? Yeah, how about this? I think it is a good deal for the Blues for a couple of reasons. Let's touch on it. First, I think that the uh, the bigger deal a couple of days ago was going to involve more players, uh, perhaps Travis Sanheim, perhaps uh, we know Tory Krug. Uh, Krug uses his no-trade clause to, to veto that trade, but the Blues still had interest in Hayes, and the Flyers had interest in moving him. He was a healthy scratch back in uh, the first half of last season. Three years left on his deal. He didn't get along with uh, the coaching staff there with John Tortorella. And so he comes to St. Louis, and the Blues are going to get him at 50% off. The Flyers, as you guys touched on, I'm sure, uh, will retain 50% of the salary. Guys, I was just looking at this. Next year, the Blues are going to come in with Brana and Hayes, who would cost about $12 million according to their contracts. They're going to get both players for $6 million. So I think the situation here is Doug Armstrong is showing that he wants to be competitive 
uh, even though he's keeping his eye on the future with regard to these young prospects and draft picks. Jr. from your understanding, Tory Krug waiving his no-trade right from Philadelphia, does that mean it's official he's not going to be traded, or are there other trades that the Blues are investigating? Here's the way I see, see the situation as it stands right now. He did not want to go to Philadelphia, which, of course, is in a rebuild. And it, I think it's going to be a tough rebuild. You know, they're selling off some assets right now, and it's going to take a while for them to be competitive again. He's 32 years old. They likely would have wanted to trade him uh, at the deadline or next summer. That means Tory Krug and his family are moving twice uh, in the next year. So that's not a situation that I don't think he envisioned himself. Does that mean he's shut off all ideas in terms of the Blues trading him somewhere? I don't know that. I, I haven't uh, got confirmation on that. But I'll say this. Once a player in Tory Krug's situation knows that the team would like to move him, it's tough to play in that environment. I know that he did what he should have done. He has that clause in his contract. He has that right. He knew when he did it that it would be tough to come back to St. Louis. But now what kind of pressure do the Blues put on Tory Krug if another deal arises? Hey, listen, you're going to be a third-pair guy. Uh, yeah, you're going to play power play. Minutes might be down. Here's going to be your situation in St. Louis. Will you accept this trade to XYZ? I don't know what he would say if it got to that point. Do you think they will consider waiving him, Jr.? I, I don't think so. I think that they still see him as an asset, especially what they have, uh, you know, having a power play specialist in, in him. So, you know, could this thing get off the tracks a little more, I suppose. But as I see it right now, I don't know that that's their intention. I think they tried to make a trade that they felt was going to be beneficial to them. They would have brought in Sanheim. Basically, Krug and Sanheim would have swapped spots. Uh, but now that uh, that's not taking place, do they look for another trade? I'm sure they are. Uh, but if you can't p- find a perfect fit like they believe that they had with Philadelphia, then you just bring them back and everybody moves on. Look, we've seen it the past couple of years. Who would have thought Tarasenko would have played a couple more years in a Blues jersey? But this is how things go in, in professional sports. Jeff, from your reporting, we, we've learned that Nick Letty, Colton Pareko, Justin Falk had not been approached to waive their no-trade clauses in a trade. Does that change now that they know Tory Krug is not willing to be traded? It's a great question, and I think anything could happen. I think that once you can't trade Tory Krug to Philadelphia, does Doug Armstrong uh, revisit possible talks with another team about one of those three? Uh, at this point, I don't see that happening. I think what Doug Armstrong has told everybody here by uh, this news coming out that Tory Krug was the player involved, that he's the player that they want to move. You know, I did have talks with uh, you know those other camps for Letty uh, and, and Falk and, and Pareko and. You know, just use Nick Letty, for example. He wants to be here. He likes it here. So I think they'd run into a similar situation with those defensemen that you touched on in terms of uh, exercising their right to veto a trade and and not approve a a trade, uh, just like they did with Tory Krug. So to me, uh, the Blues have identified Tory Krug as the guy they want to move. I think if they try to find another deal, it would involve him rather than one of those other three. So essentially, it's they move Tory Krug if they want to find a defenseman, whether it's Travis Sanheim or I brought up Noah Hannafin, and if they don't move Tory Krug, they're not bringing back or bringing in a new defenseman. It's going to be the same defensive group. Yeah, that's the way it appears now. I mean, there's a lot that could happen even tomorrow leading into uh, the draft. You know, That's when these types of things happen. Uh, the thing with uh, the Blues defense is they would have to alleviate some salary You looked at the situation where they were going to make that deal with Philadelphia and bring in uh, Travis Sanheim. You know, Philadelphia was going to, like they did today, retain 50% of Hayes' contract. You know, it's no surprise or coincidence that the Blues signed Scott Perinovich to that one-way deal for $775,000. 
right when they thought that that trade for Tory Krug was going to go through. Now, we all certainly thought that Prenovich, with his injury history, was going to get the one year, uh, probably get the one-way minimal money. But Doug Armstrong is a guy who likes to check his boxes and, and be safe with things. And they got Prenovich done, and they figured, okay, here's a guy that we know is going to be here next year. We don't have to worry about any contract issues. And now let's make this trade Sandheim for Krug. It didn't work out. You know, now they move forward. It, it could be the same defense that comes back, uh, but I think that now that they've opened the, the can here with Tory Krug, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of them continuing down that road with somebody if they find something. Jeremy Rutherford will have all of his great reporting over at The Athletic and on Twitter at J.P. Rutherford as he is live in Nashville over the next few days while the NHL draft is taking place. And there's a bunch of news that's already taking place today with other teams, uh, including the Blues, who traded for Kevin Hayes. Uh, Jr. final question that I've got for you. I wanted to follow up on the defense situation do you think there are other names that could become a factor for the Blues? And if so, who are some of them that you've heard out there? Uh, just in terms of the defense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you hear the names like uh, Orion Graves. Uh, you, you hear uh, some other names. I think that those are possibilities. But again, I go back to moving some salary. And if you can't move the salary, then you can't bring these guys in in free agency. And, you know, some of these guys in free agency you know, aren't too flashy, probably aren't going to cost that much money. But then you're starting to talk about seven, eight guys on one-way contracts if you're trying to bring somebody in. So to me, if the Blues are going to do anything to this defense, if they're going to bring in any defenseman in trades or free agency, it's going to have to coincide with one of these guys leaving. Have you heard any speculation of the Blues being involved with Hannafin? Well, that's a name that's been popped up a lot here in recent weeks, and, and deservedly so. You know, I think he's a guy who could come in and, and help this team. Um, is that a situation where the Blues – you know, could move out a, a player to bring in Hannafin, you know, sure. But that's, that's a situation in Calgary that I think is, you know, difficult to read right now because who are they going to move and what are they looking for to get those players? They're, they're not going to let everybody leave mass exodus, even if these players are telling them they're not going to resign next year. I, I think it's going to take, uh, you know, a lot of work for Craig Conroy, the GM up there to, to figure out that situation. But what we know is that Noah Hannafin does want to get out of Calgary. And if Craig Conroy wants to get something for him, I think there's going to be a lot of interested suitors. I just know, looking at the blue situation, that they've got to have room to be able to bring him in. And when I say make room, if you're trading a guy out, we're talking about four top four guys with no trade clauses. How do you make it work? We just found out this past week that it doesn't always work out like you hope. He's Jeremy Rutherford. Find his work over on The Athletic. Jerry, appreciate the time as always, man. Enjoy yourself out there on Broadway. Yep, thanks, guys. See you soon, uh, Alex and Tanner. Yes, sir. That's Jeremy Rutherford joining us here on 101 ESPN. Always appreciate him hopping on with us. Alex, big takeaway. We got about a minute before we hand things off to the fast lane. Sounds like that if if they can't find a way to move Tory Krug, it's going to be the same defensive group this upcoming season, which really surprises me uh, that it's not other names involved of potentially moving out. But, man, I, I just... Doug is not selecting 25th and 29th overall. I just, my gut tells me those are going to be involved with the defenseman. And to JR's point, you might have burned a bridge with Tory Krug to the point where now you just got to find where he will go and find a way to make a three way trade work. That's where my mind immediately went. Yeah, maybe they're not going to be moving any of those other guys. All right, that means they're moving uh, Tory Krug. Yeah. I don't know how it happens. I don't know exactly what he wants in this scenario, but I think that it. W- it's crunch time now. Yeah. In the next 24 hours, they are going to have to find a place that Tory Krug is willing to go because there is a hard deadline of when they are on the clock in the late first round. They need to know 
what cap space they have available to be able to make the necessary moves. Because once they make those picks in the late first, that capital is gone. You have used it up. It loses 80% of its value because somebody else cannot make that pick because you just did. So Blue's got to get this done within the next, I would say, 30 or 36 hours or so. And to JR's point, and I know where he's coming from, but this is different than the Tarasenko thing. Like, Tarasenko was the one that wanted out, not St. Louis of him. He wanted out, which makes sense they didn't move him. You essentially said, we don't want you on our team, Tory Krug. That's hard to come back from if you're him. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson. They will be live in Nashville tomorrow. I will be live from St. Louis tomorrow. We will be bringing you all of the latest from the Blues at the draft tomorrow from 11 to 2. The Fast Lane coming up next here on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.